Audi CEOs, and welcome to Pair Talks Run, a prosperous universe podcast aimed at delivering you a little bit of entertainment, some knowledge, and insight into the happenings of the prosperous universe. Universe, as always, I am your C pair. <laughs> 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 oh, let's try that again. Oh man! I just imagine your C pair. Huh? Pair. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! Okay, all right. <laughs> Serious face. Okay. All right. Howdy, CEOs, and welcome to Pair Talks Prun, a prosperous universe podcast aimed at delivering you a little bit of entertainment, some knowledge, and insight into the happenings of the prosperous universe. Universe. As always, I am your host, C Pair, and with me, I got my two co-hosts, uh, Des and Lex, on the podcast here tonight. And we Hello, got. Man. Thanks. Yeah, Lex, introduce yourself. Be nice. <laughs> Um, you want me to randomly introduce myself? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I didn't really leave time. We should really do something about that. Let people know that you're actually here. That you're not just you know that we didn't record this at de- separate times. I think the description is uh, I, I'm the I'm the Lex that's not the supervillain, basically. Yeah, that was. Or you're a mad scientist, but you're not a, a supervillain. Yeah, not that a was pretty villain. good. That was pretty good. Um. Yeah, in case you guys didn't know, actually, I don't know if I should say it. Uh, Lex, do you want to say it? What uh, what's what is the state of your current education, Lex? Uh, I, I PhD, but I think that's not the first time that's been discussed. Yeah, no, I know. So discuss it. What you have a PhD in what? It's statistics. Yeah, technically statistical science. If you want to read the actual degree, but I don't really want to bother anybody with that one. Yeah, so you have a degree in statistics, a PhD in statistics, which is uh, pretty neat. And correct me if I'm wrong. So that's the uh, like you did your thesis on um, high school basketball game scores, correct? Yeah, it was it was high school basketball. So that was, that was, that's awesome. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. It's just funny because we talked about uh, was it was it? I think it was last week that we did kind of. Yeah briefly mention it about that sometimes lex gets people being like oh statistics so like you talk about like high school basketball games stories and it's like yes i i will tell you that phd statisticians are so like they get so there's a whole culture around that like if you work at the census bureau i've never worked there but i've heard like phd statisticians are professional statisticians the other statisticians are just statisticians like it's a whole thing because you know it's it's the lies damn lies and statistics thing the whole field has a terrible reputation and so it, it, people just get real touchy about it it's kind of funny that huh. and it's the it is the class so people will say they don't like math right oh, i didn't like math or they might have kind of liked math and then i'll be well i, I did statistics and they're like oh i hated that one. that was the one that was horrible so it, it is actually you could almost tell you should go in the field if you take a stats class and actually enjoy it because it's the one class in college that pretty much every student's like, it was miserable. I hated every moment of it, except for the stat geeks. And they're like, it was so cool. <laughs> it's one of those weird degrees. But yeah, so that's me. Very cool. Well, we got what about a fan. Dez? We got to what what? talk about him. Oh, Des, tell us. What do you? I just I have a, a Bachelor of Science in Computer Science. <laughs> 
And, oh, and we got uh, somebody from the peanut gallery saying stats sucked. <laughs> You're I, first. I will say I did enjoy my stats class. I didn't go into stats, but I did enjoy it. As I, I told people, I think I've told you before, I, I picked it because it was very difficult. And I realized that the people doing it didn't have the same career challenges. Like if I could just get through the math, then I'd have a nice career, which has turned out to be 100% true. But yeah, it, yep. it, it, yep. it a lot of students. It's just like, even if you're good at math, you might not necessarily be good at stats. Like that's that's the thing about it. We would have uh, we'd have PhD candidates that were in the math departments, and they'd come and they wanted a breather course, so they take stats. About halfway through the semester, they're thinking about dropping, you know, because <laughs> they could do the math, but the applied part they just didn't get. And it was it was always interesting because it's two disciplines at the same time, and my my qualifying exams had both a theory section and an application section in two different days. And a lot of people might be good at one, but getting, being good at both is actually quite difficult. Well, uh, and I mean, I just have a degree in marketing. So, I mean, there's that. Um, just a degree in marketing, the guys that actually make all the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, they make, no, let me be clear, make all the money for the companies that hire them, right? So. That's true. Well, I mean, yeah, so you've, you live in- you've heard You've heard my dislike of the Big Bang Theory, and we could have that conversation sometime. But the fact that the character that gets made fun of because he doesn't have the PhD is the only one that's ever actually done anything with his life. Like, that's you. You might have a fancy degree, but you're doing something meaningful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we got a fantastic episode for you guys tonight. Um, we don't have terrible amounts of topics, and we don't have... We're actually quite guestless tonight as well, but I mean, not saying that this isn't going to be a, a great episode. I actually think this is going to be kind of a more of a vlog style episode, but we do have some great topics to bring up uh, during this kind of vlog style episode. Uh, so tonight uh, we're going to open up with corporate comms, talking a little bit about what's going on at Nascent Mercantile and discuss some things, actually some happenings at Nascent Financial as well has been kind of happening and uh had some interesting conversations over the past two weeks about that um and then des is going to lead us on a section about speed running prun and talking a little bit about what what exactly does that mean and what exactly does that look like in terms of um you know realistic timelines and realistic kind of expectations because you know it is a video game at its heart but it definitely is a very different video game and then um after that, we are going into a dissertation, a long dissertation, about how much Price is Right Dez and Lex have watched this past week because they have both been very, very sick. <laughs> but Lex is actually going to take us through, you know, what do you do when you are sick and how how do you mitigate and manage a time away from this game that's longer than a few days, right? And uh, I actually do have some opinions about that myself. So that's, I'm really looking forward to that. And then finally, we're going to end off with one of my always favorite topics. We thought we'd go with a oldie but goldie. And that is about the end game and talking a little bit more about what the future holds for the prosperous universe universe. So without further ado, let's jump into corporate comms. So tonight's corporate comms, uh, we're discussing a little bit about the happenings of uh, nascent uh, mercantiles. For those that don't know, nascent mercantile is the corporation that me and Lex are part of and Des uh, was part of. And then he moved over uh, to a different corporation. 
Um, and so one of the things that we've kind of been talking about, especially in me and Des or me and Lex have been kind of chatting about, and I mean, it's a conversation that we have often, uh, you know, is the idea that, and Lex said it last week is one critical component or criticism is that we are, we are all very new at the game and anybody that does come to our corporation is a new player to some degree they're like i think a compound for instance compound is somebody that i would say is probably the old like has been playing the game the longest out of all of us and he's like been playing the game longer than i have and he came he came to the corporation with already a few bases established while i started the corporation with like one base on katoa right and so uh, one of the big things that's been very interesting is the fact that it does become difficult to manage uh, where to find and where to get resources because we don't have one person getting resources. Uh, last week, Archeo brought up the fact that, you know, uh, Ooga Booga, which is where Arche- I think that's where Archeo is. Correct me yep, if I'm wrong. Yes, that's yeah. correct. Uh, Ooga Booga has like a glass guy. And that makes total sense. That makes total sense that there would be somebody that does glass because glass, glass is probably and and I would say fabs in general, fabs in general. But glass is definitely a chain. It, it, it is a very and its most purest, rawest sense is a chain. It goes from glass to reinforced glass to some other type of glass, and um, so there is that chain there, and that makes sense. It makes sense from sort of a logistical standpoint. So with our corporation, we don't have anybody like that. And so it's been a bit of a challenge. And I mean, we're dealing with that right now. Um, Lex, can you kind of take us through here? What? uh, So I'll just give the listeners some context. But this past week, we did uh, a little bit of a different kind of meeting. So we don't really have like meetings, typically speaking, because it is a bit of a slower game. But also because one of the biggest, not problems, I'd say, but more realities of the game is the fact that people are all over the world. And the fact is not everybody can show up because we might schedule a meeting for CST time, which is Central Standard Time. But actually, it's funny when I scheduled that meeting. So we actually do have a meeting scheduled at the beginning of December. When I scheduled that meeting, I had about like five people tell me straight up, like like almost instantaneously that I was like, I can't come because it's like it's it's early in the morning I'm, I'm asleep then right and i'm like fair enough i mean i understand that um but we did have a meeting where we kind of did a work beat and so lex i'm kind of putting you on the spot here but can you take us through sort of what did this work beat consist of and what did we do exactly oh you decided to take the definition of uh, you know spreadsheet game quite literally and so we did a group spreadsheet activity is what i would describe it as where yeah. essentially what we really did was we took the result of trying to break down the chain and go from, you know, basically you think about shipbuilding, you got a lot of high level parts. And so the idea was we broke apart into teams to figure out how do we take some of the results, some of the tools that show the visualizations of the various paths and go, okay, we want to build a ship and it needs a number of different parts. So for each of those parts, what are the different buildings we need? How many inputs do we need? So that we could break it down into what the actual construction process is going to be, not just the visualization of it, but we need these buildings and with these buildings are going to supply those buildings. Because one thing that I think that the, the tool doesn't show is 
it doesn't show well is which buildings go to which path. And Sorry, so which which tool are you talking about? Oh, the spreadsheet. Which, what, oh, okay. what building? The spreadsheet. So if you look at the what was it? The Prosper tool we were using. Yeah. Where it's like you can see you can visualize the flow. It's very nice. It tells you how much you need. Though I think in some for the larger parts, it's actually an overwhelming visual. It's one of those cases where it's too much information, but breaking it down into okay, if I'm going to build this part, I need the following buildings. And and one of the things that I thought was really good on spreadsheet was like. What's the building and what type of res what type of set does it need to settlers? Does it need settlers plus um, you know, pioneers? Like what, what are the various things you need to do all of the various levels so that we could break that down and actually figure out how to get the buildings constructed? And then the plan after that was, okay, now we know what buildings we need. What planets would we actually settle, which we didn't get to that part, which is fine. We just needed to first to break the thing down into smaller parts. So uh, for example, I was doing the, uh, the large emitter, which I've still got, I still haven't finished. There's so many steps in that, but uh, it's it just literally like, here's the final product. And then as I'm going along, I'm writing down what each of the buildings are and getting a sense of some buildings I've never even heard of, which I thought was a really interesting process. So it was a, it was a good exercise, but it was very much a take a visual and put it on a spreadsheet, which I thought was very apt given the game we play. Yeah. And I mean, I think that was the first ever time that I've felt, in my opinion, that we are playing a multiplayer game. Right, it was a little bit. I, well, admit it was our first meeting. Uh, I think we're going to do better the second one. Uh, one of the things that took up about thirty minutes of our time was explaining it. We did as some newer members that were there, and I realized quite quickly that this could make a video a great video topic. Is how do you research? How do you actually plan? Because that is, it was crazy that like even I think Lex, you asked me some questions um about what what to do and i realized quite quickly that there's probably a lot of people here that might be very so it's funny because i say to these people like yeah go and go and go forth and plan and then they're just like well how like how do i plan this like what tools do i need and so i think there's a video out there a video concept out there that i'll make about just explaining how you guys go about planning and i might have to get permission from kz to use his spreadsheet tool because I think it is fantastic. I just want to make sure it's okay with him or KZ or Roe, whoever made the tool. Um, but it is. It's a fantastic tool. It's a fantastic spreadsheet. And it's, a, it's a great way of... It is a really great way of mapping things out, which I think is just absolutely fantastic. And yeah, I, I think the next time we do it, I think one of the things will be is everybody comes with a little bit of homework done in the sense of like, watch the video. So everybody should watch the video understand what we're about to do and then everybody's given a tool like a given a task and then yeah we just plan it out and and we spend the next hour you can watch netflix you can do whatever but it's just like we're all in the same voice channel it was nice it was actually kind of peaceful it was kind of like people were asking me questions here and there and you know it felt like we were just it felt like i was back in like a breakout room at university that we're all just kind of like working on our thing but you know we're in we're in a group and yeah it felt fun i, I definitely want to do that again um so yeah, that was kind of our, that was one thing we did this week. And so we will definitely be doing that again uh, because I realized that, you know, one of the things, <coughs> excuse me, one of the things is, is that we do have these new players coming to the game, but they come to the game with a sense of like, so here's an interesting, and maybe this is a little bit of a transitionary topic to some degree, uh, but we had a new guy come to the game by the name of Scrap and Scrap came to the game um which was very interesting so 
so in, and this might tie into the end game conversation we're going to have but i just want to get a sense from des and lex here so what would you guys say is like so let's start with des because he's at the top of the discord here so des what would you say is like between between let's say okay uh like gaining power so like increasing your base size so like increasing the amount of bases you have so between base size so how many bases you have how many ships you have or how much money you have which state do you think is kind of like the ideal end game state for you um Ah, man. Uh, I'm doing all three. (laughs) Can we take that as an answer? I'll take uh, I'll take all three for 200, Alex. (laughs) I mean, so I have It's not an answer. It's not on the it's not on the you can't fill in the bubble. There's not the all all above uh, bubble on the scans around. So to to kind of put it another way, the the thing that I'm doing is I'm expanding bases. Uh, I have I forget how many right now, but I'm about to add like three or four more. Um, and after a, to in order to support the logistics that I need on those bases, I have to have more ships. And ships cost cash, and bases cost cash, so I need cash to. Uh, expand those bases so i have this kind of circle going around where the more bases i have the more i can sell stuff which the more cash i get which then builds into more bases and they get more expensive for sure but uh and then the more ships that i uh and 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 it becomes this timing thing of when do i pay off my ships because i mean i can pay off the the loans i have on the ships you know in, in not too short order it doesn't take me that long at this point because I'm getting enough cash. But would I rather put that back into bases first and then delay the paying back of the loan? It's this whole big question. So it's it's for me, it's constantly cycling between all three of those yeah. on what I'm doing, depending on what I need. Yeah. And Lex, what is your thoughts? So my middle and late game goals, my middle game goal is to get a full AFAB production chain. And so that's the first, just the bases to do that, right? I want to have all the pieces. So for me, bases are the priority. And then I would say secondary to that is the ships to support those bases. And then money is just, I need enough to be able to do what I want. And that's as far as I view that at this point. Um, I'm much more interested in being able to make the thing and get it to and fro. Like the, the main reason I need chips right now is I, the the Demos Nike plan is going to require a big cargo hauler, so I want to get that fixed, right? So, but the starting point is I want to build the AFAB production, which means I need all the bases to do that. So I would start with the bases. So it's interesting. I having you just said that it kind of triggered what I'm really after is total production capacity, not even so much number of bases, but to get more production capacity, I have to go more bases. Whereas for me, I, I want to build into the specialist items and have the ability to do that. And so the bases are needed for me more because some of the more specialist stuff just require bases that do kind of rarer things. Like you need certain, you got to go get zirconium and copper and things you don't need for the main tier ones, but you, you got to have them for that stuff. So you got to build the bases to go get them. 
Well, and here's kind of the maybe conclusion of this of this question period, and that is that Scrap came into the game, and I, I don't I've only played Eve, Eve briefly, but you know Eve I I don't know what everybody's like. Obviously, it seems like everybody's objectives are different. Um, but Scrap, I'd say, and and sorry, Scrap, if you're listening to this podcast and I get this wrong, my apologies. Um, uh, typical Canadian fashion, but uh. Uh, you know, scrap came into the game very much like money, right? Money, 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 like, like that. This is the game is about making money. And I'm like, yeah, that is part of the game. But the conversation that we largely had was about that, like what we did during that work beat. And that is figuring out this problem, which is shipbuilding, right? It is shipbuilding. And, and that is truly when we solved this problem and when we solved this problem well and we got this car infrastructure running, that that I would say is what I would consider to be like our MMO raid state, right? Where it's sort of like now we're raiding, right? It's like, you know, everybody starts doing like quests and missions and stuff like that at the very beginning. And that's like getting money and, and doing what you need to. But then as soon as you get to the like the raid state where everybody can go into a raid, the raid for this game right now, at least right now, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, is that idea of like that you now have a very highly optimized shipbuilding structure, a shipbuilding chain. Because one of the biggest not problems, because we've we've talked about this, and I won't I won't delve into the subject further because we've already talked about it at length. But the discourse about the idea: Do you build your ships using spaghetti, or do you build your ships using a very kind of centralized system of a of a structure, right? And that that in and itself, that conversation and that discourse in and of itself is also an endgame state. It's like, what do you kind of want to do and what do you want to achieve? Because from the sounds of things, most and like most players that have been playing this game for a long time and are able to produce ships take a spaghetti approach to shipbuilding because of the fact that it's just so insurmountable of a task and and organizing this amount of players, it, it might be difficult to do, right? Um, but yes, yeah, so that's kind of the the one topic that we talk about with corporate. Well, I, com- oh, I, sorry. I do I do want to challenge that notion. I think it's completely, and I don't think you meant to do this, but I think it's completely legitimate for a player to choose being the richest player in the game as an in game goal. I think that's completely on the table. It 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 may seem like making money is easy, but there's actually a game of trying to figure out the most profitable ways to make the most amount of money, and. I don't necessarily think that that's where everybody ends up, but I, I don't consider it an invalid approach at all. No, I know you're right, Lex. And, and maybe, yeah, you're right. I didn't mean it like that, that this is like the, this is the only way you should do things. No, hundred percent. I agree with you, but let me rebuttal you and say this, that in order to achieve that, the way you go about the, the path you have to take is through shipbuilding. Cause eventually you get to this point where you're like, I want, millions and trillions of dollars and i mean yes you could play the markets maybe or you could do what we're doing at nascent financial to some degree um and that's cool too but that's a little bit of like an extracurricular aside right um let me rebut your rebut that doesn't necessarily follow if you can get the supply of the ships you need from other players and focus on items based on their profitability sure that would be better right it's there there is i i think because ships are such a constraint, which we've talked about many times, the natural idea is to go into shipbuilding. But I think a player could be very successful in this game and make a tremendous amount of money 
without getting a shit building. Yeah, I think Des right now has actually proven that, right? So, yeah. Yeah. so I, I and he's never talked about becoming a ship builder, but he's probably going to be wealthier than you and I are ever going to dream because he's going to capacity handling. He's going to so, buy ships yeah. from us, though. <laughs> That's the point. We'll make money on the ship selling, but the you know, ship building needs to be done by someone, and I totally think it's a valid in-game function. Yeah, but not every player needs to participate in that. If, and if anything, a healthy game economy that's actually able to support shipbuilding needs the deses of the world that are just providing all the materials, because letting the specialists specialize and then provide all the things that everybody needs so that the specialists don't have to do those things. Totally valid approach. Well, and it's interesting too, because I was having this discussion with Scrap about, so this new player Scrap that I mentioned earlier, about just like you know like you said end game states states in general like what's a like a, what's your mind state and things like that and one of the interesting things is that i brought up kind of to the point that you're making there lex is the idea that um with consumables for instance the consumables work in in there's two states to a consumable in, in when we talk engineers and scientists you might be like what do you mean well with engineers and scientists, and I don't know if you guys have realized this, and you probably have, so I'm pre- probably preaching to this choir here, but any any listeners out there wondering, and I'm going to share some hot tips from Pear here. There is a quantity consumable out there. So a scientist has a meal, uh, uh, an MEA, and the engineers have FIM. That is the quantity consumable. By quantity, I mean that you have to produce a lot of it, and they consume a lot of it. But it's something that's fairly easy to do. You take DDT, FIM, herbs, let her rip, right? And you can do it, but you do need to produce a lot of it in in vast quantities and can take up a lot of base space. Interestingly enough, and it's how the game is designed, there are two specialized consumables that don't take up much quantity, but are also equally as important. They take, well... Somebody's probably going to quote me as being, I'm being wrong here when I state this. So if you guys know this, stop me. But both these, both these kind of um, specialized consumables are 33% of the pie. Now, I might be wrong on that stat, uh, so correct me if I'm wrong. But they still, so if you don't provide, so I'll give you an example because we were dealing with this the other day. Because um, we're, we're mapping this stuff out, right? And I was taking a look at it. So, for instance, so you go produce um, MEAs, which are those, uh, what are those, the specialty, uh, I'm looking here, the quality meat meals. So you do the quality meat meals. But then after that, you also need AI-assisted lab coats. And AI-assisted lab coats require a ton of metals. It's kind of a metal-based kind of thing you need to do to get that. They also require scientific workstations, which same deal. It's kind of a metal slash soft software build that you need to do there. So you're right, Lex, that that might be the end game state for some people. Some people might go the quantity route and produce just FIM, right? They're a FIM farmer. And that's all they do is they go to every fertile planet and, and pop out FIM left, right, dead center. But there could be other players that are like, you know what? Screw it. There's a lot of FIM or MEAs on the market. I'm actually going to go the advanced consumable route, and I'm going to produce like AI-assisted lab coats. So I go to all these metal planets and do it that way, right? Which would be interesting, right? And then that's, you're right. Th- those are kind of two solo projects that you could take on take on alone, which is quite, quite interesting. Um, and it's definitely something that I'll be chatting about. So as I've kind of mentioned before, 
um, I'm actually going to be doing some videos. So we just, we just, uh, probably two or three weeks ago released the tutorial series for the game, the new tutorial series for the game, but that's not all. That's not all folks. I actually just worked on two new scripts for the game, which are going to be on contracts and, oh, what is it? Oh shoot. I had, I, I knew what it was. It was contracts and corporations. I knew it was a C word. I had to come over my head. So contracts and corporations. And then we're also going to be chatting about um, contracts and corporations. And there was something else we're going to chat about. But furthermore, to the point is that we're also going to be chatting about uh, Endgame. So uh, one thing that Nick really wanted me to come up with for like kind of like players was like, what can people aspire to? Right. And do you guys, so Des or Lex, do you guys have any suggest? Like, I, so here's my thoughts about what I'm going to be talking about in this end game video. So if you had to write the end game video for this, and maybe, uh, sorry, Lex, I, I don't want to keep butting into your subject, uh, your uh, end subject tonight, but no, so it, it, it'll go natural. <laughs> um, if you guys were to write this video, what subjects would you bring up? Because I'll tell you what I'm bringing up. So I'm bringing up the idea about that there's sort of four economies in this game that there's like planetary consumable economy, there's ship part economy, there's consumable economy, and then there's like a fab economy, right? That there's like an a fab economy. Cause these are all, these are all consumables. Like they're all stuff that you can do indefinitely to some degree. But what, what topics would you guys bring up if you had to write the end game video for this game? I think the end game is about pickings. So I'll back into this a little bit. So the make a lot of money um, as a thing that you want to do in the game. Uh, the reason that doesn't immediately appeal to me is because let's say I had a billion currency in the game right now. Uh, I mean, it's what you do with that that is interesting to me. And so... Like I would start, I don't know, maybe a, an alternative to nascent mercantile. Uh, I don't know. It's, I would start trying to make stuff happen with that. And so I think uh, this game is about how, I think the end game in this is deciding something that you feel like you can have a major impact on the universe. And I think that's why just hoarding cash is probably not that interesting of an end game because that's just you as an individual player. You're no longer in uh, an MMO. You're playing a single player game where, I mean, which is interesting. I'm sure there's there's people who are going to be interested in doing that and just maximizing the amount of cash they have. But I think what's more interesting uh, for most people in this game is then once you have this cash, what are you going to do with it? How what? how are you going to manipulate the markets or what are you going to buy or how are you going to help other people grow or what impact are you going to have on the universe? And I think, I think that's all of the in games that I think about that I've heard about that. That's kind of how it fits in like shipbuilding, like the shipbuilding stuff. You want to have an impact by increasing the number of ships in the game and doing this really cool thing of, building these these really complex machines that help people do stuff yeah 
No, and that's fair. I mean, the big thing is, is like, um, you're right. If you do have a lot of money, like it's interesting because actually when I first came into this game, that's actually one thing I thought about was that you could essentially like ion cannon, like ion cannon, um, a commodity. And then, you know, you could raise it because that's a big thing is if you had enough money, you could buy up all the drinking water on a market and then sell it at a sell it at like a markup. So for instance, like if I were to go into the game right now and take a look at like something like drinking water, for instance, which everybody needs and everybody needs a lot of, you know, it's interesting because drinking water was actually like through the moon the other day. I was looking at drinking water. It was like 120 it was selling for on one of the markets. But, you know, you take this, for instance, and if you bought, so there's a gap, there's a massive gap at 100. So between 100 and 120, so you sell that water for 110. So you buy all this water, you buy like literally all this water, which is about, uh, it's about 6,000 units of water. You buy all the water and then sell it at 110. You've just made a profit, right? But you've essentially raised the price. And that's all, but one of the things you're also risking is the fact that, um, you essentially that nobody's going to underbought like under underbid you right and that is a risk that you have to take when doing that but i mean that is one method right if you had enough money you could probably do it which yeah if some i had, people a, might if I had a billion dollars if i had a billion dollars i could probably max out the price of uh drinking water on one of the markets by just because i would have enough capital just to always buy everything that everybody put on there for whatever price and sell it at 120 or whatever. Yeah. But it would take a lot of capital. And that is totally yeah. something that is achievable in this game. Um, yeah, you uh, probably 10 million would get you the ability. Oh, 10 to million would a, get it done. <laughs> a huge, huge impact in that. Because the big thing with that is really the idea is that you also have to buy all the bids that are coming in as well, to some degree. Yeah. Not as probably as yeah. fast as you want, but you really, yeah is that you all of a sudden have to start buying all this water and you have to accumulate it, right? You're getting this massive accumulation of water. Yeah, you're going to be sitting there with like hundreds of thousands of drinking water at this price, <laughs> and you're just going to be buying everything below it. You need a lot of capital to do that. Totally doable, though. $10 million is not that big of an... I mean, once you really start expanding to a bunch of bases and you have a lot of production capability, there are players in the game right now who could do, totally do that. Well, one other thing I thought of doing was you could easily uh, crash the fuel market by buying up all the hydrogen. So you buy up all the hydrogen, and it's like obviously people got space, like people got hydrogen producers, but there's a lot of players that are probably playing off the CX that'll be like, "Oh, I don't have hydrogen all of a sudden," and it's like, "What do I do now?" Right? That was actually a huge problem. Um, I don't know if you guys, I know Lex is with me, but I don't know, Des, if you do fuel on Katoa, but there was a point in the game where we ran out of hydrogen. Um, we oh were all gosh, free. Price 200 or what it was. Sorry? It price went to like 200. Oh, 100%. It went to like 200 $300 a unit. And it was like, oh, well, I mean, I guess we have to buy the hydrogen. So it's interesting. So if there was a market out there that you could actually do what we're describing, it would be something like the hydrogen or ammonia markets. Not so much, probably hydrogen because of the quantity. I wouldn't say probably because of the consumables like a DW or rations market because of the fact that there is a market maker there that would kind of like cap it. But I mean, 
if you wanted to make insane profits, like if you just wanted to make insane profits off this, you'd have to find a market without a market maker and then become the market maker. And I do know for a fact, actually, that there is players out there that that is their end game state as they do want to become a market maker. So. Yes. I think it's interesting, though, that of uh, the players that are doing that, um, uh, I mean, I think uh, I think two things. Number one is there's a limit to how much you can do that because people will just go go to local markets and other places and um, uh, they will go around you uh, because the CX is the only option for just free to play players. Um, but everybody else, all the pro players and, and basic players can find other ways of getting what they need. But the other thing is that there are, there's, I, if I have a lot of capital and I'm trying to do this, you could do it today. Like for a short amount of time, you could completely buy up all of the quantity in a market, but the, the market is going to respond and they will outproduce what you can buy. There's just ultimately that's what will happen. And then the market will be flooded because you can no longer buy and suddenly there's all this capacity and it will just crash. But you could really hose a market for a few weeks. Yeah. While capacity starts spinning up. And um, I think this does happen some. Like I know, for example, uh, PG in Antari space has been just expensive and there's just it's not enough volume that somebody could go in there and totally buy up all the quantity and i think they have and it's just it's like 20 it's like 25 percent above what i've seen in historically right now um and i think there's somebody just buying a whole whole bunch of it but the thing i have noticed is that the people do who do this there's a couple of names in Atari space, at least that do this consistently. And I don't think they actually make that much money that quickly. No. Yeah. I'm looking at it's this thing. I'm looking at Antar space and it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I see, uh, I see the players you're talking about. <laughs> and, and like, if you go look at it, drinking water in Atari space, you'll notice there are tens of thousands of drinking water available at price points all the way up to drinking water or uh, H2O uh, drinking water all the way up to 87. There are tens thousands yeah, yeah, and yeah. tens of thousands at each point because somebody scalped everything, bought the entire market and the market responded by just putting huge quantities of water at drinking water incrementally down at every level so that it was impossible to buy it out and forced uh, the, the scalping behavior to go lower and lower and lower until they weren't, they just, they have a whole bunch of capital invested in it and they're not, they're not actually being able to move it that quickly. Who knew we'd be uh, talking about scalping tonight again. <laughs> uh, who knew? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I think that is an end game. That is something that is fun for people is to try to yeah. manipulate the market. Yeah. So what we're really saying again, here, listeners, is uh, piracy is good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think it's it's fun to try to, to stop them from manipulating the markets. It's fun to supply, uh, have contracts with people and be a supplier of something. Like, I think this is this is a game about leaving your mark on the universe. Yeah. That's that's what I'll uh, 
that's what I'll title the Endgame video. I was going to title it the Endgame, but I'll just title it Leaving Your Mark in the Universe. And I'll leave it there. Um, but one other subject that I kind of want to bring up during corporate comms before we move into the next segment here tonight is just about nascent financial. And uh, I'll just, yeah, I'll just plug it once again. If you guys are looking for loans and stuff like that, if uh, we actually do need investors, uh, which I am super happy to say. So if you, now I'm saying that probably the minimum amount of investing we're probably looking for is about 100000 uh, but I currently have deals going up to about 10 million. Um, so if you got a lot of cash and you want to invest it, uh, just to let everybody know, cause when we first started, we didn't really have, I was thinking, oh, I'll give people interest on their investments. But I realized that that's a very unrealistic way of working things. And I probably, I probably wouldn't make a profit myself. So what we do now is if you invest uh, with nascent sounds like I'm about to talk about like some sort of timeshare. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but if you invest in nascent financial, um, what we do is we take whatever investment you given us and you get 5% on whenever we do invest it with another player. So for instance, uh, we've had players invest like $200,000 for instance. And then I use that 200,000 to invest it with another player and then I give that player back like 12500 uh, 12, kind of thing. And then when we do it again, same deal, same deal, same deal, same deal, right? So if you are looking, if you have some cash, spare cash, and you're looking to make a uh, slow progress on making some cash out of that cash, uh, we'd be looking for you. Now, that being said, I mean, we're talking in the millions here, so you'd probably be making a lot of cash. Uh, like 5% of a million is... Like what, fifty thousand, something like that? Yeah. So I'm I mean, not going to answer that question. I I had to think. I had to, I'm not a math guy like you, Lex. I don't go to high school basketball games and watch their scores. Okay. Um, so that's five percent um, every. How often did you say? That's not often. It's not. It's not based on time. It's based on how. It's based on quantity. It's a quantity quantity interest. So essentially. Gotcha. gotcha. When when somebody throws money into our investment bank, what we do is every time we use that money to invest in somebody else, we give that person 5% of whatever we used. That's gotcha. So we so are looking for investors. Like, yep. If you, if you, if you used, uh, if I gave you a million dollars and you used that million dollars every day, which is not going to happen. It's like, not going to happen. Example, <laughs> you would get five five percent of that every day correct gotcha yeah typically it happens over about a month so month month right. loans is typically what we do uh we do have a little bit of a longer term loan going into the end of december here right now so uh but i am establishing some bigger loans uh so we need more investors but if you also want to take out a loan we also do have cash available for those that are interested in taking out loans um we will never say no to taking your money so um but yes, no, it's been fantastic. It's been good. I, it might seem quiet for those that are wondering, like, is this Discord alive? It is. It's just a lot of it. A lot of the stuff happens behind closed doors. So not a lot of people are privy to the conversations that we typically have behind closed doors. Um, they always happen through DMs and stuff like that. And then we open up separate account channels for each person that we you invest with. You know what might help? It might be good if you could have a public financial statement. That way you don't not talk about any specific deals. But because I have felt, I'm like, is anything going on? I have actually been quite curious. 
Sure. But it does seem like you could report essentially the monies you're making without going any specifics. Just we brought this in and this is how much we've been doing business. Just might give people some sense. Uh, I probably wouldn't tell people how much money we're making. But that being said, no, that does give me a good idea, Lex, in the sense of like how much money we're looking for. That that might be something you're right, because I don't tell people how much money we're looking for right now, which I'm looking for about $10 million right now. So that's that's kind of it. Um, but yes, so that's what's happening in nascent financial land. But uh, that will kind of uh, conclude our corporate comms for this evening. And we are going to move over to Dez's segment for the evening, which is speedrunning prun. Yeah, so um, speedrunning is, I mean, essentially uh, what I've been, I don't know, accused of doing to this game is within my I, first... I think I have teased you about it. <laughs> yeah, you've teased yeah. me about it. Uh, but I had within 30 days, I had, uh, it was, I don't know, six or eight bases. Um, I slowed a little bit down after that. I think I've, I'm in the, I don't know, I can't even remember, uh, nine or 10, 60 days in. Um, and I, I kind of hit a lull uh, there, mostly just because life happened and uh, I had other things going on. But I'm more than ready of, of just doubling my base count in the next 30 days or so um which is i mean i'm sure there's other people who have done it but it's unusual to do it that quickly um i have i have as many bases as some people who've been in the game twice as long as i have so the the topic is about speedrunning and is 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 it possible and um could you reliably reproduce that success and here's the interesting thing I have about speedrunning. Speedrunning, most games that do speedrunning are uh, a skill, a timing-based skill challenge um, where, like uh, Super Mario, um, you're jumping at just the right moment, hitting the right pixel, going through the wall at a certain moment, and bouncing off in a way that gets you right to the end in the least amount of time. Uh, it's repeatable. You practice it. This game is not repeatable. Uh, you can co-leak a couple times, but you can't really start over and try again, and the universe is permanent. So speedrunning this isn't really a thing. It's just some people have do things faster than other people, um, and it depends on your play style. Uh, so that's kind of the topic that I want to explore is... Is speeding speed running a thing? Because I, I do think I think about this game in a way that is 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 driven by a lot of uh, my experience in, as a software developer and how I approach that. That that most people may not may not approach this, the game this way. Um, so, Lex, I, I, I guess my question to you is: You've done a more uh i don't a, a steady steady pace in this game um yes. and i'm curious what's kind of motivated you to do that was that did you want to go faster have you decided that you're going to go faster from here on out and what, what's your thinking about that so i would say that i'm currently at an inflection point with my plans where things are about to accelerate 
for me, a couple of things were involved in that. One, we joked about it last week, but I really do think that logistics constraints are something you should really think about. Um, one of the questions I was going to have for you later is, is you know, you weren't feeling great this week and how that impacted, right? So I've tried to keep things within a plan where I had a lot of room for things to to fall apart, where I didn't necessarily have to have things great. So I've had times, for example, when I couldn't play for a couple of days and I, I materials got short in the base. Well, that never hurt me that much because of the designs that I've used. Mm -hmm. Some of that is uh, maybe I would have liked to have gone faster, but I'm also one of the things you talk about the permanent universe. One of the challenges for me is I never do it particularly great like I could the second time, the first time, right? So there, there's a desire there to go, okay, I really have a lot I need to learn and figure out. I've, I've changed a few plans along the way, which has had a big effect. Uh, got hit by the fuel market dropping for a while, which affected profitability. But the thing is, is that if I look where I'm at now, which is, gosh, six, almost six months in, I've per, which is, you know, a th third, basically even like a third of the time I have, you've got twice as many bases and you're making profit at enormous rates. What I'd say I have now is I know how to do the things I wanted to do. And I was willing to take the time to get to the point where I learned. If I was to do it a second time, I'd do everything faster because I would know how. But yeah, this first time it was necessary to go slow just for practical reasons, frankly. Yeah, so I, I think um, being able to manage real life is definitely a thing in this game because it doesn't stop. It, even though this is a, a slow-paced game um, by many measures, it's, there's a sense in which it is relentless um your 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 populations always need consumables your inputs always need to be supplied or everything just grinds to a halt and that can affect a lot that can have a chain reaction if if you've constructed your base setup in certain ways on the other hand cpair you've set up a lot of your bases i think to be very self-sustaining and low maintenance is that is that correct? Yeah. <clears throat> um, and so you could walk away from it and you know come back and you you have a bunch of stockpiles of stuff and 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 everything's great. How how much have you tried to expand? Like what what has been the main the emphasis behind behind when you decide to build a new base or when you decide not to? Uh, well, the big. The big thing is, is that we have a roadmap uh, as a corporation, and I know you've probably been privy to it before, but um, the thing is, yeah, with this roadmap, it's been very interesting how it's like, okay, I have to set an example to other people in terms of the roadmap. I think that's, that's a big key element is that being a leader, you also... I, I, I generally understand the concept of being a leader is not that I get to have power over people. It's that I get to empower people at the end of the day. Right. And that sounds kind of like mm -hmm. some sort of like self guide guru cliche book. And I haven't, I haven't read anything. It's just, I've had good leaders in my life, I guess, good managers, good people. And always the good people that I have in my life have always kind of been there to empower me. But one of the things that I, I realize about these good leaders and about coaches and stuff like that, especially is the idea that it's like, yeah, they set the example. And so mm -hmm. it's like, I get, I tell people, 
that it's like, okay, these are the plans we have to do. And why are these the plans we have to do? It's these are the plans we have to do because everybody has to do them. Why does everybody have to do them? Because a lot of us are new, right? But mm. there are people such as like Compound. Um, Compound is the one example I could think. Row, uh, others, uh, KZ, a few others that are out there that um, have kind of deviated and, and taken other routes. And that's no... By no means am I saying that's a bad thing. I think that's great. Uh, we've made it very clear that nobody's forced to do anything in our corporation. Um, but I was like, okay, great. You guys do you, and that's fantastic, and, and help out what you can. Uh, but I have to kind of set an example for all the new, you know, the new players that are out there, all the younglings to some degree. And that's been the big thing. And so a lot of these bases are very easy to set up, the Etherwind base, uh, as an example. And actually, it's funny you bring that up, Des, because for probably the first time in forever... So I actually just upgraded my ship. I actually just got a large storage, uh, the 3,000 3, ton, 1,000 volume uh, storage on my ship, which I'm just loving it. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things was, for the first time ever... It probably in months, I would I would dare say, I don't have any ships flying right now. I have zero ships flying. They're all stationary at various bases because you're right. I'm at this point right now where I'm like, I don't have to touch anything. Like I can just wait for stockpiles to, to generate. Like I'm generating EDCs. I'm doing DW. I'm doing S uh, fuel. I'm doing FIM. Like that's it. Like I just I just kind of like just sit there and twiddle my thumbs and that's not necessarily a bad thing uh i think i've just been very efficient right but i do realize is i'm setting ourselves up for this point this inflection moment as lex said where you know it's gonna like you know things are gonna get real and and it will get very complex very quickly and i can't have i can't be worried about my money makers i can't be worried about my liquidity and then so that's why we've been setting ourselves up in such a way with the EDCs and all this jazz is I can't worry about the liquidity. And I would say to your point and to the kind of the topic about speed running, you know, um, I would say if there was a method about going about it, I would say what we've done, this roadmap we've taken, and I don't mean it, maybe I am going to toot my own horn here, but I'd say we're pretty darn close to almost close to the perfect setup to sunder maybe perfect's a very strong word but i mean we're darn near close let's go that direction in in terms of if you were to speed run this this is how you do i probably the only difference i would make is i would go to harmonia a lot quicker i'd go to harmonia a lot quicker and set up yeah. a fan base that's what i would do first yeah so it sounds to me like your version of speed running is trying to get people working together as fast as possible like get people um, aligned pulling in the same direction well no i n- uh my, okay <laughs> uh so that's not what i just described to you you kind of top maybe i i went off topic and that's my fault uh my bad <laughs> wait no, pair, no, no. pair going off topic wait when does this happen <laughs> never uh, happens never happens never ever um no so that wasn't speed running that was corporate leadership that was a corporate leadership talk. I just said speed running, uh, by myself, solo, and fim. That's what I do. I would produce as much fim as possible, as fast as possible, and then EDCs. 
and then ADC. And so speedrunning to you is it's very solo affair. It's solo. It is. It's solemn. It's by yourself. Um, and and I would say it's try to take advantage of those multipliers as fast as possible. Those pyramid multipliers. You know what I mean? Like where the mm, pyramid yeah, kind yeah. of multiplies itself over time. So it's it's interesting. Um for me speed running this has caused me to actually make a lot of connections with a lot of other players and it has been a very multiplayer multi massive multiplayer online experience for me <laughs> um because i'm selling consumables and basically i would sell capacity in advance and then ship ship that supply to those people so i had to make connections and i just had this basically rapid escalating influx of capital that i turned around into bases to produce more and more consumables and so that was my version of speed running so <clears throat> i do think there's a version of speed running that is solo make as much money as you can or solo build as many bases as you can or or uh in my case Basically, my version of speedrun me is produce as much quantity of something as you can. And you know what? Let me jump in here and say this. You, you know what? What you just said about what I said about speedrunning <laughs> is actually pretty true. You know, I, I've been thinking about the fact that if the universe reset, right? You know, if we did have a universe reset. Yeah. You're, you're right. I probably would organize people um, to be as fast as possible. Right. If if that was my goal is to speed run, um, I would say those speed running and efficiency probably go hand in hand to some degree, because I wouldn't say my goal with the guys wouldn't be let's speed run this. My goal with the guys would be let's try to make as much money as possible, as fast as possible so we can achieve our other goals as fast as possible. But that's not because of our goal is speed running. That's because our goal is expanding and and making a bigger market for ourselves. Right. And I think there's another interesting aspect to this is if the universe reset tomorrow and I was to start over and I was trying to speed run, I couldn't do what I did. Um, that is true. Yeah. yeah. I don't have, I don't, there's not that capital investment that would allow me to do that. So the age of the universe part of the reason I've been able to do this so fast is I came in pretty late in the age of the universe. And so there's just this massive amount of money that people, it's not that they didn't know what to do with it, but that they were past the point where they wanted to worry about all the nitty gritty of getting all of the consumables to all their bases. And so it was a really easy sell in a brand new universe. My, my version of this doesn't work. Well, and it's interesting, like what you and I, so uh, you and I made a deal that's basically you're taking the other role in that. Right. And it's because you're in that situation to do it, right? It's like, right. And you know, I, just to be clear to anybody else, I, I'm providing a whole bunch of BFABs to the man who needs a million BFABs. So it's one of those, it's a natural thing, but the only reason it's possible is because you have built up that capital. You are in a position to turn around and make the deal the other way. And right. You know, yeah. For me, is I love it. I mean, I if well, I will say this, and, and I've watched what you've done in the podcast, and asked myself what parts of those things should I go do myself. And one of them that I've definitely agreed with is, in an environment where there are people sitting on capital to do things, allocation of this kind of deal 
you know, forward selling the material to get the thing started and accelerated is an excellent idea. And one that I'm basically doing myself right now. Yeah. And you have to be, there is some amount of dedication you have to have because it, you can't, if you forward sell stuff, you have to be like, so I forward sell four to five weeks, depending on, on who I'm got to deal with. And that means that I'm guaranteeing to them that I'm going to be around for four to five weeks. Yeah, I, I, yes. And in, in a sense, that's the danger of the game is that like a total newbie is a little risky, but you showed so much dedication. I think a lot of players will want to take the chance. I'm established enough and been involved enough that I'm a pretty safe risk from that perspective, but totally new player is you have to have a lot of money to throw at people right. this total strangers because people come in and they, this is, this is a question I'd have for you because you're talking about speed running. How much speed running has caused the potential for burnout? Because I've seen new players that don't understand, I think really do risk burnout with that approach. And what has your, been your experience? Yeah, so one of the things that I've had to pay very, very close attention to and um, is when my uh, workload goes up, and I mean logistics workload in-game, in um, then the next problem that I solve is how to reduce that workload. So there's very much an aspect of this that is I've, I'm actively working outside of the game itself to minimize the amount of effort it takes for me to put back into the game and manage these things. Yeah. And that's been a constant challenge, but it's part of the problem solving process. And if you're going to speed run it, you have to do that. You can't brute force it. It just doesn't work. You'll burn out. And I think um, a lot of my history in software development in agile methodologies uh, specifically has kind of given me this this mentality of okay what is the next most important thing for me to work on what's I the mean, next biggest minimum viable producting the whole thing yeah basically and so every every time i come up against a friction i'm like okay i don't have enough capital to do x so let me go find some place to raise capital how do i do that well let me go look at who's buying drinking water on the market and see if i can sell a deal to them okay, now I have so much drinking water going everywhere. Um, I'm starting to run out of shipping capacity. So how do I rearrange my scheduling? What spreadsheet do I need in order to know what goes where, when, and have that ready in advance? And how do you manage all that? So it's this constant problem solving. It is interesting comments. So we both work in tech, but I work on the data science side and you work on, sounds like the software side. Yes. And it's interesting because I, I don't, despise agile it has great uses data science has always had a little bit of a complicated battle where it's like you're you're trying to get a you're trying to use a you know a gavel basically a hammer when you really need something you need a different tool but like i have a hammer i want to hammer everything right it's like, right you, know, you, you need something slightly different for this task but i will say that i think that may have some relevance to the differences in our approaches data science tends to be pretty research heavy you know you start with I want to answer some questions. I want to figure out like how things work. And so in a sense, I've gone through my normal process, my normal life process, just, I don't know anything about a topic, go learn something about the topic and then, then assimilate all the knowledge and then use it, which is essentially what I've been doing. Whereas you're more of the software engineering approach, which is 
just go get something built and see what breaks. Now, yes, I will ask, has there been any point along the way where you've come at the line of this might completely fall apart and I might have to start over? No. That's no, I've never, I, I've never. Man, what a point. what a deep response. No, <laughs> no that's that's now, admittedly the one thing I have noticed about if the things you're building, if all else fails, you've got some unhappy pioneers. So you'll have problems, but the world won't end. So I can, right. I, I think total complete collapse is unlikely. Making basic consumables, but have you ever felt a point yeah. like you've never felt the point where it's like the things are going off the rails? I need to back up and figure out what's off the rails or is it just it's gone pretty smoothly for the most part. Well, so I've never felt like I've been in danger of things going off the rails, but like, for example, this week I got sick and when you're sick, your problem solving centers of your brain can sometimes get a little uh, exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, what I ran into was, I started making logistical mistakes and I couldn't play. Sometimes I, I, I lost the ability to play the four 4d chess that I needed to play in order to get my deliveries done on time. I, I really mean regular chess because what I'm doing is I'm planning like three or four moves ahead. And by that mean, I mean three or four days out. I know roughly what my ships are doing, what they're moving and how much when I'm picking stuff up and moving between planets when you get sick uh, you unless you have that down to rote on a step-by-step rote instruction um then you tend to slip and i did i i got about a day behind i was gonna ask about that because i'm joking a little bit but it's like i could tell so we just so out, people don't understand the concept we, we have a we have a business i'm relying on him for certain supplies and it's been kind of quiet. And so I was curious, like if you've had that problem, it's like you had. <laughs> yep. Well, and that's what, <laughs> so all of the things like our deal is, uh, basically I'm funding the base and I have, when I provide the consumables, the thing gets started. So, you know, I'm kind of hurting myself. So that was kind of like the most, uh, that's the thing that I sacrificed first. <laughs> It just made me cry is all. But like, yeah, I've got this beautiful base just I know. empty waiting. <laughs> yeah, and so that's what happened is like uh I just, I the margins got squeezed and so yeah, I, I'm I got about a day behind. But what that made me do is so I am now reorganizing how I d- get everything delivered. Um and so I can do it while I'm sick. And so like within a week I will have it reorganized. So it will, that part will be mostly brainless and it, it will, I probably won't miss again until something else comes up, you know, but, but so that's the kind of, so when I say I have, I mean, I haven't gotten close to the whole thing falling apart, but I have gotten a couple of times where, well, that wasn't ideal. Let me solve the non-ideal part of that and make it better and more robust so that the next time I get sick or the next time I travel or the next time whatever comes up, I can still do everything that I need to do. In essence, it taught you your weak points and now you have a chance to fix them. Exactly. And so I won't make that same mistake again. And so that's how I play the game is, okay, what's the problem right now? And I, cause there was this moment, like, I think it was like a week in, no, it was a few days in. And I was like, I have, 
I have sent all my ships. I've spent all my money. I have like a, a hundred Martian coin to my name. I literally can't do anything. Like there's no nothing else I can do. Well, then I thought about it for a second. I was like, no, that's not true. And I think that was the first moment I was like, let me just go ask for a loan. And within a few hours, I had a loan. And I was already starting to purchase BFABs. And my ships hadn't even gotten to their destination yet. And so I, I, if you're speed running like this, there's always the, you're always going to be looking at where you are right now. What's your, what's your roadblock? And then just obliterating the roadblock as, as best you can. That's how you speed run this game. I will so. say, looking in your amount of bases and the speed, you're probably in the top 1% of the bases of players in the game. And like, I, I doubt there's five people who played the game who've done the building at the speed you have. Maybe even less. Maybe. I mean, you're at nine bases, something like that? Yeah. And I've, I've, I haven't built a base in over a week. Like there's, there was a, there was a time where I was building a base every two days. Like, Oh no, I've got a whole week without doubling my capability. <laughs> yeah, no, I literally. Ooh I, la I la. Over like, Mr. Moneybags over there. I, I, I definitely feel the, whoa, I slowed way down. It's cause I haven't built a base for a week. You can um, tell us podcasters that we're extremely in touch with the community, you know, so in touch, just like, yeah, like, oh, I haven't built a base in I under two days. <laughs> 65, so 65 days in, and you have one, two, three, four, yeah, nine bases, 65 days in. And I funded another base that's not on my list because I funded your base. Yep. And now, and, which is, yep, that's how it works. And I, I have already have the materials for my 10th base pretty much in hand. And 11 and 12 are going to come right after that because you're basically going to give me the BFABs for 11 and 12. That's the plan. So, yeah, I'll be, I won't be able to produce as fast as you want, but I'll go no, as quick as the basis can. There, I've gone through multiple producers of BFABs. <laughs> there, I can consume a lot of BFABs. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so it just gets me you know, I, I think I'll be making 60 a day and that won't be enough for you that's nope. just insane to me no nope. no I need and I'm 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 getting into the to the HQ upgrades that are more expensive now like I've graduated to RFABs or R yeah well you and I might be having a conversation soon about that RFAB thing and by the time I, and I'm pretty shortly going to be into the AFABs well, we can have that conversation. <laughs> so I just, and that's one of the things that, that I've done is I've invested in, um, like, and, and the reason that I, one of the reasons I, I've made the deal with you is literally I started buying out all the capacity of my, the corporation I'm in the ability to produce fabs. And I was, I could literally soak up the entire thing and I felt terrible because um, it started impacting other people's ability to get BFABs within the corp. <laughs> but, but you did actually hit at a key point, right? Which is that you had built a relationship with me in this podcast. Right. And we, we identified a very specific common need, right? 
you needed BFABs, and I was really wanting to just massively increase my BFAB capability. And I'm not joking. I mean, I, we we laughed about it, but I'm not joking about the RFABs or the AFABs. Like, oh, I know a, you're not. If there's if there's a path to get a fast track to RFABs and AFABs, I'll gladly cut that deal. And it's it's that combination of you just know a lot of people, you're finding those common opportunities. It's it's a, you know, I just haven't spent as much time being social with people as you have. It seems to be maybe I'd say the thing that I would probably do more of if I was to do it again. Yeah, and and one of the things I do is I find what people need and provide them what they need in return for what I need. And so with our deal, I think both of us are coming away from this going, oh, this is this is actually really good for me. Yeah. Um yeah, I, it was it was interesting how easy that was to do. I think that was probably the lesson that I really figured out about the tiers and the hierarchies of this game is this, this was something that you could theoretically have done if you wanted to go do five other things. It was just easier for you to give me the money to go do it. Yeah. And it was much easier for me to take that money and do it than almost any other strategy out there. Right. Right. So I don't know if we have any con conclusions. I still don't think that speed running is exactly a good description of this i, I um, used the term to tease it but in a sense that you're speed running in one sense which is that i suspect that if they went back and looked at the data you it would be hard to find a player who's grown faster than you i really doubt first of all almost nobody has nine bases like that's a rare thing in of itself and the majority... i also had the advantage of starting pretty late in the universe where capital was more accessible i agree and, and that's the thing is that you may have done something that it's quite possible given the player size and the rareness of what you're doing. It may be no one else has ever done this. I'd be curious. As, now I heard in the prior universe, there's some guy that had a ridiculous number of bases, but did any, is anybody in 60 days gotten to nine bases and probably within 90, you're going to be at 12, right? So it's right. I, I doubt that's been done or even been tried by most people. Part of that is, is that you went and bought ships, right? You, you were able things that people couldn't have done at the beginning of the game. So I totally right. buy your statement, but it, so I think speed running is maybe not like totally the right term, but I think it's surprisingly close. You're, well, you're... and I mean, I've had a, let me be clear. I've had other advantage too. Like, um, drinking water, for example, is up. The price is up. So I've had some tailwinds in terms of the stuff that I'm selling is selling really good at high prices right now relative to other points in universe history. So, so I'm I, actually making a lot of profit right now. So when I got my, did my dissertation since we talked about that earlier, right? One of the quotes I had on there, uh, one of them was remembered dated, drew data is plural. It's like the most common fix in my entire dissertation is I kept using data in a singular and this apparently is a, primal sin that you had to go through <laughs> over a hundred pages of documents and make sure I got every single one of those references correct. So that's a little side point. But the bigger one is, is the, the other quote was if I have seen farther is because I've stood on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. Right? That, and I think that, I think there is some truth to that in this case, you, you had other people you could stand on before you were able to do it, but it, 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 you still, yeah, you, it's always a mistake to think that you're just going to, I just was the smartest guy in the room is like very rarely 
is that this very rarely is the most successful person the smartest person in the room they're they're both lucky and smart right so it's one right. of those you have to have both things that could be proven statistically if anyone ever wants to discuss that topic and i do think there's somebody will do it faster yes but that somebody will be later in the universe when the ships and capital are even more available and i think that they'll end up using models like you've talked about here right? Right. I mean, somebody might come up with something independently but the really fast person will, you know, listen to this podcast and learn, right? I hope so. I mean, I'm not saying I've, I've been the fastest either, just to be clear. <laughs> I, no, I, I, no, I think there's but, a non, I think there's a very, I think at least a 20 to 25% chance if, and that's just a crappy prior estimate that you are the fastest that have done. I don't know, but that makes me, for some reason, that makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So let me tell you where I get the number from, right? There's okay. relatively few number of people with this many bases. Okay. True. Most of those people are relatively long players who played in a different era. So how many players relatively recently have gotten nine bases in 60 days? I think there's a reasonable chance nobody else has done it. Now I'd love to you be, may be right. It'd I, be great. If there's anybody out there. Who did nine bases in 60 days? Let us know in the water cooler. I'd, I'd, I'd love be curious. To. It would be awesome because then we could bring them on and have a conversation about how they did it. How did they did it? Yeah. What yeah, did exactly. they do differently? Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Des. Appreciate the topic and discussion. Uh, ooh, we have a newcomer. Hey, Tara. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, we're just recording our podcast right now. Oh, I didn't know. I'm no, sorry dude, you're more than welcome to stay and join in if you want. I mean, that's how we got Dez. More co-hosts, the better. That's what I always <laughs> okay. say. Anywho, so the next subject that we're going into here is uh, just uh, Lex is going to take us through just the absolute, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, copious amounts of Bob Barker and The Price is Right because we have some sickly people in the podcast, Dez and Lex, sick, and they've been gone for a while. And uh, according to Lex, there's been some transactions that have not taken pace, place between Dez and yourself. And so, uh, yeah, Lex is going to take us through his dissertation about being sick and playing Prosperous Universe. I'm just going to start by saying... I feel like you play more Prosperous Universe if you're sick, but maybe not. Maybe you just like sit in bed and that's it. Oh, so first of all, I, I got to ask, is every time I talk now going to be a dissertation? <laughs> yes, Dr. Lex, it is. Yeah. Perhaps we need a dissertation on why you're not going to do a dissertation. A, a, another little dissertation story. Mine was about 110 pages. And when I turned it in, it was by far the smallest one in the group. I saw I, some that looked like, I don't know how they were holding the printout. Like it was easily five, 600 pages. And, and I'd heard of larger and I just, yeah. It, the benefit of the math one is that in math, you just, you solve the problem and you're done. You don't need all the extra stuff. But yeah, it was, it, mine was a little over a hundred pages and that was about the minimum you can get away with and still be considered long enough. And it took me a while to write, but so yeah, this is no dissertation. It might feel like it, but it, it's definitely not. Uh, so to be completely clear, on Friday, right, the day after we last recorded, I got really sick. Like Friday, had to go straight to bed. 
I got up Saturday morning, could barely function. That day was entirely one of sitting in the bath because when I was in the bath, it didn't hurt. Sitting in bed, sleeping, because when I'm sleeping, I wasn't in any pain. And getting up, I think I, you, I met you for about like half an hour. You were talking to my son, basically. And uh, when you had that conversation, I was literally lying on the floor in misery. And finally, I was just like, I, I, I can't. I got to go to sleep. So, of course, you imagine now I'm at basically over 24 hours, nothing going on in the game. And then another day happens. And so I'm at 48 hours, and I'm barely able to survive. And, of course, where I differ maybe a little bit, and I run a little cash light. And so my version of being efficient is to run the cash right at the edge and not and try to keep everything running a little bit and not have necessarily as much depth in the base. So by the time that I finally got healthy and was able to look at everything, uh, three of my bases were sitting at like 10% satisfaction. Chips needed to go places. Nobody had any food. It, it was very survivable. But then, of course, while I was waiting for that, I was also about a day and a half behind on getting the base set up and waiting for Des. So I'm like, okay, he's going to worry that I'm I'm not there. What am I going to do? Well, of course, right at the point I get ready, he gets sick. And so it's like, okay, now he's basically not involved for a couple of days. And yes, in fact, he made, I was curious about it. He answered, he made a strategic decision that under the circumstances that the thing that was going to miss was going to be the delivery to the base, which I completely understand. That's a totally rational strategy. But it does raise an interesting point about some of the challenges in the game that sort of just continues to go on forever and never really stops. And so maybe talk about uh, interesting some things. One, just how people have been affected when they've had that happen themselves. Obviously, this was a classic example of it. And then some other things, how you mitigate it. Obviously, you can dump a lot of stuff on the bases. But just because you got a base with a bunch of consumables doesn't mean you have the space to make the materials like the out you could end up with capacity problems on the bases and things so you know for me i i've always tried to take the viewpoint i want to have you know at least a week supplies but lately because i've been pushing to get some stuff going and basically started two bases in the last week one of which was paid for by somebody else um i got a little bit thin and then i got sick so the timing was really terrible and so is it, first of all, has anybody else had this experience? I'm just curious if, if anybody else has gone through this, oh boy, I got sick and now everything's falling apart deal. I mean, I just did. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, sir? For me, for specifically Prosperous, I've been sick or like I've taken three months off the game, but because I produce my own like drinking water and rats and OBEs, I had enough stock to basically keep myself running. So I was pretty lucky. And that was just because your basic subsistence, you build all the subsistence items. And so you're yeah, basically... Yeah. I, I, uh, I, uh, I make more than what I use. And basically, I sell the rest. Well, I'm currently... I, I expanded it to a second base, and I'm using what I'm making to supply that base. And I'm making like 50K every three, uh, three, four, uh, every three days right now. So when you left and came back, when you came back, how was the status of your bases? Like, where were things sitting? Uh, I actually have a record of it right now. They were all down to about 30%. And so did you have, what things did you have to do to kind of get restarted? I basically had to almost rebuild every single uh, building I currently had. But it wasn't as much as it it seemed. It was only about 300,000 for the full uh, building. 
materials, but I had like all the MCG already because I also make those on the side for a small profit. And I had a, a small stock of uh, BSE, BBH, and BDE. So I supplemented the cost with having some extra materials from an old repair. So I was pretty lucky that it didn't cost me, it only cost me, I think, around 200K in uh, repairing all of my bases. Oh, all of my base, because I only had one base at the time. Yeah, I took a this. I was just going to say, like, one of the things that would be really bad is if if you ran out of cash and oh, then yeah. got sick. <laughs> that would be... Because I think one of the things that when you come back, you need something to get you going. So you either need to have enough materials on hand to get a base back up to a reasonable level or cash to cover the gap. Yeah, I liquidated quite a bit of inventory. Oh, even over those three days, I liquidated quite a bit of inventory down to the bones just to get enough money to get all the materials back. I was yeah. able to do it, but it was still, you know, I'm not, I don't keep large cash reserves, which I'm actually thinking I might want to reconsider. I don't like to, I'm one of those people that in an investment game, like cash in the bank is just opportunity not being taken advantage of. But I'm forced to reconsider that a little bit after this getting sick. I do think a certain amount of cash is helpful. It's some percentage of your your normal operating capital is helpful to have in the bank. Because I did, at, there was one moment. Did you know that if you don't have enough money to pay the warehouse fee at the beginning of a period, you're it locks. All, it locks. <laughs> I've, I've, I've had this happen. The reason I know this is because I've got a base out in uh, Hortus that I'd like never go to. And eventually it just runs a hundred dollars and I just don't keep any money. And I, I've got, yep. so I've had it happen. Every time it's happened, I've paid, paid a few fees and gotten the warehouse back, but yeah. I uh, yeah. It happened problem. to me. There was nothing in the warehouse on the one that locked, but I was like, Oh, that could be bad. Cause if you walk away, you run out of money and the warehouse locks on something that you need to get restarted, it could be bad. Well, and this is one of those things where I will say that a player community and the nascent mercantiles of the world, like short-term bridge loans should be totally feasible to players in that case, right? It's just, yeah, you don't need that much and you can repay it really quick. Well, and it depends also if you have, if you do have the connections, like for me, the, the, the situation is a little bit uh, riskier for me because if I if I get like really sick and just completely get taken out for a week, I miss thousands and thousands of drinking water rations, OVEs, and other things that that I owe to people that they've already paid for, and that is kind of a problem because in real life in a real company you have multiple people deep so that when somebody goes out sick, you, you know, somebody else can cover for you. That doesn't exist. That's actually against the terms of service yeah. in Prosperous Universe. I've seen games that run. So the first time I ever really experienced this, a game that was like a 24 seven, you know, long game. It was a, you started out a little city and the city got built up and, and, it's like a more advanced of the games that later became the crappy microtransaction games. And players would have to dual account just because you couldn't have downtime. 
And so they would dual or triple account, the same account, just to continue playing the game because it was so unforgiving of any of any time like that. Mm. Uh, this is, you know, this is something I think a lot of games like this don't address well, right? In your massive, most of your massive multiplayer games, if you're out, uh, you miss some. But the game to the end, you don't, your stuff doesn't decay. You don't run out. Like, you just tell your friends, I'm sorry, I can't do it today. We can't go raid. World doesn't end, right? You might miss out on some dailies. Here, not only are you affecting other people, but you, you take that constant maintenance problem. The consumables get used up, the maintenance continues, doesn't matter if you're on or not, right? It, it's a constant drain on your on your resources. And the reality is, is there is, and because you have to do it by yourself, there is that risk. So. Right. And I will say that I, I, the, the few people that I've had to um, delay deliveries on have been very understanding. And it, I, I don't, I don't feel like I've burned any bridges or anything like that. Um, you'd, ha- you'd have to be a colossal jerk that I wouldn't <laughs> want to play the game with to give somebody crap over getting sick. Like, yeah, yeah, but have bigger problems to deal with. But it's also, I mean, I did, I do know for a fact that one of my deliveries, because it was late, that they ran out of drinking water on that base, which I felt terrible about. It, it is unfortunate. I, I will say it's good that for the most part, that's a solvable. Like if it happens, it happens kind of thing. Like the game doesn't end, nobody's dead. But yeah, right. it, yeah, missing out on a... I will admit, my biggest fear with the, the whole arrangement we got is what happens if I have if I can't play for a week and sit on a pile of beef apps I can't send to you? It, it is a concern. It is a concern. But I think, I do think that, uh, you know, we're human beings. I think people work things out. I hope so. So. And I've, I've, I've found people generally easy to work with in this game. Have you had any experiences with anything, C. Perry? You've been real quiet the last second. Yeah, no, I've been thinking. <clears throat> I've been thinking. And really, I... I, uh, <sighs> I... When I get sick, it's like I'm not really out. Um, when I get sick, it's kind of like I... Um, I'm I'm still able to like do things and stuff like that. It's just usually like what have you not. So I don't get sick like other people, but there has been a time and I think it was during when I don't know if I got COVID. I didn't like test or anything like that, but it was a pretty bad illness. Like it was it was something special. Um where it did actually like cause me to like be in bed all day. Um but typically speaking, and maybe this is the child inside of me, and I, I joke, but it's actually true that um when i got sick i typically would just like sit in front of the tv and watch the price is right uh, um <laughs> so but like in this case i haven't been sick i can't think in recent and i think of that covid example and i forget exactly when i got it might have been around the time i was beginning this game but you're right there is i've been thinking about what you're saying about the fact that there is no really stop button unfortunately when somebody does stop playing the game, there's bigger and badder consequences. Like you said, I think, uh, Tara, you brought it up that, um, you know, you essentially, your buildings decay, right? No matter if they're producing stuff or not, or not, your buildings decay, uh, things decay, everything decays, and, and you lose a lot of money. And almost you do go back, the buildings are still there to some degree, but you do go back maybe to a certain square one, right? And, 
one of the things I was thinking about while you two were talking was the idea that it's like, okay, fair enough. Like there's no stop button, but what if there was a stop button, right? And it's hard for them to implement one because of the fact that it might be abused, right? That somebody could be like, oh, I'm going to stop for like a week, right? And then come back and then stop. And it's like, come back. And so it's, it, it is a bit interesting. I think there could be something to be said about maybe doing like a leave of absence system that it's like, okay, you can leave the game, but you might, and this might be a bad system. I might be talking about a really bad idea right now, but you leave the game and you're locked out of the game for like three months, but like everything stays the same, right? So there is no opportunity for abuse. That might be a bad idea. Like then you're locking yourself out of the game for three months. But I mean, if that's, you know, if that's the case, so it is interesting, to say the least, that if you get sick and you're out... I mean, here's the thing, and, and this goes back to the original conversation we were having about my base setup. I mean, like I said, right now, as we sit, my ships aren't doing anything. And like I, even as I go look at like what my plants are doing to some degree, I mean, everything's doing pretty okay, right? Like I got fuel doing things, I got DW... Um, I got FIM, I got EDCs, and it's just kind of all rolling around. So I don't really need to touch anything right now. That being said, there does come a point where it's like, okay, fair enough. I don't need to do anything right now, but eventually I will again. And when does that point hit? I think one of the things you mentioned, Lex, correct me if I'm wrong here, was you mentioned that you at least have a week's worth of supply, correct? That's the goal. That's the plan, at least. Yeah, for me, it's about 10 days. For me, I kind of work on 10-day cycles because I can kind of, you know, because math is, uh, I math really good. And uh, I math uh, multiply by, I do the X thing times 10. And uh, there you go. Um, I, I will tell you that's a very smart idea. Uh, yeah, right? Pff, I know. My own original idea came with it myself. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of it. <laughs> That's that's sort of it. And and so it's really, if you did get sick, it is an unfortunate circumstance. And I have been in scenarios. And I think the big thing is this game does attract a lot of those min-maxer players. And I would say, you know, Lex and Dez, I would contribute you two are probably one of them to some degree. Um, Me, min-max? Nah. Yeah, right. But the thing <laughs> is, is like the, the problem, not the problem, but the thing is with those min-maxer people is the fact that um, if you have a scenario where all of a sudden you're losing something that it's a big deal, right? And, and when you get to base number 10, as Des is, there just comes a point where it's like, you kind of have to be okay with those moments. There will be moments where it's like, you simply couldn't think of everything. And like, I would encourage players that are listening to this podcast that when you get to those larger base sizes, like base 10, base 11, base 12, don't fret about it, okay? It's a video game at the end of the day. Don't fret about it. There will be times where it's just like, oops. I mean, I, I have news for you to set up my base on Malahat, guys. I don't know if you know this. Compound knows this because we had to deal with it with Compound. But I kid you not. Okay, actually, we're going to play a little you game here. Trusses or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So, Des. Oh, everybody. Des, yeah. <laughs> Des, how many times, how many flights do you think it took me to set up my base at, at Malahat. Give me a number. I don't know. I mean, my worst my worst case example of this was like four. Okay, fair enough. Le our, de our Lex, what do you think? So I am consistently two for me, so I'm going to guess three for you. 
you're bang on. It was three. It took me three flights back and forth because it was like, I, yeah, you're right. Like, so I, I dropped off the RFABs and I was like, okay, cool beans. And then I dropped off the, and I was like, oh crap, trusses. I was like, ah, shoot. Picked up the trusses, dropped it off the trusses. So that's flight number two. And then flight number three was, uh, I forgot MCG. Like, like totally forgot about it. Like I was like, oh crap. So what's this base? How many, uh, what goes did you have off the bat? Sorry, pardon? How big was the base? What was your workforce off the bat? Like, um, well, zero, zero. Any, yeah, it was zero because I, mean, I was building an engineer base. So it was a zero, okay. no workforce at that exact moment, which it's like, funny. When I popped up my second base, I initially basically had 480 people right off the bat because I had, well, it was like a small continuous, like just starting off the small stuff. But it's like I had four chips to do my second base. Yeah. No, and I mean, no, and it wasn't cargo. It wasn't cargo size. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, and I do. It's funny. I did use it. I really should have used it. Uh, Kovis is putting in the chat here that I should have used a calculator. And you're right. I, I really should have. I don't know why. I, I think it was just I trust. I did trust Compound. And like Compound wasn't wrong. Compound was 100% right. He had everything figured out correct. It was the things that he wasn't providing me. I think it was in my brain. I convinced myself in my brain that like, oh, I just needed RFABs and that's it, right? Little did I know MCG and um, and uh, trusses were a thing. I Every single time I build a new base, I will go out and I will put it into Prune and I will shopping cart it. And I will say that so far, besides the first base, I've had a second trip every single time. And that's that I've had to do three trips if you combine multiple ships sending it. But every single time I forget at least one thing. And that's literally with me going item by item and listing. And the part of that is that like all the materials look the same and you got the BSEs and you got the BDEs. And so there's just a whole bunch of like really similar three-letter acronyms. But I have not got it right once. And I'm using everything in my it, it's just so easy to mess that up. Yeah, and my my example of four was it was I don't know base number four or five or something like that, and um I totally number one I completely spaced out and completely forgot to upgrade my headquarters, so I got stuff on the base and didn't have and I was like I don't have a permit, I can't actually do this, and so then I'm scrambling is. Oh, okay, who has this? Who has this? And so then I'm flying all the stuff around to get it to my headquarters. Then I upgrade my headquarters and I get back to the base and I'm like, and it was like something like trusses or something. I don't remember what it was, but I was like, oh, I left that on this other planet that I just, for some reason, completely spaced out and didn't pull it over. So I had to go get it and pull it back. It was just, it was a mess. I, I took a loan out to get Demos and bring all my stuff there and i'm so excited it's my third base getting really expanding yeah i, I miscounted the permits <laughs> <laughs> so here's like oh great now what am i gonna do not only i gotta pay people back but it's like my ship's in the wrong place i gotta go find somewhere to get all this stuff and it, you know the the first extra permit's not that hard but it was just a matter of uh going to the i just sent another ship to the cx but it was just i think it cost me like three days easily just for yep. one little mistake. Well, I think to see Perry, your point is that you have to not sweat this stuff. You have to realize that. I mean, I, I yeah. make 
I make a lot of rations and a lot of drinking water and I, I sell it. And I, at one point had to buy rations off the market for like 50% more than I sell it for <laughs> because I needed it. And you know, it, it's, it's inefficient, but you got to do it sometimes. Thing is, is that even with that, you know, that's time value money thing, right? Even with your pay overpaying, it's still better to do it than not. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lex, for uh, leading us through that wonderful, wonderful section. Um, just one critique. Uh, we definitely need a lot more uh, topics about The Price is Right or a lot more mentions about The Price is Right. Like what is our favorite game shows and things like that. Personally, mine is P Pachinko. Is that it? Pachinko? No, is that it's it? A game in the prices, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's my favorite it's also game. Also, a general game. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The one where they drop the discs and they got the the. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's that one. Um, my favorite part. My favorite part of that game is watching everybody overbid each other by one buck. Yes. And just <laughs> watching the misery that happens in that scenario. Well, my also favorite part is like. It, it really is actually a social experiment. You never thought this would be a, po a podcast about Price is Right, but get ready, listeners, because it is actually a big social experiment as to what happens when you give people that have never had an energy drink in their entire life energy drinks. Yeah. Because, like, the audience is, like, often just, like, off their, like, they are just, like, super-duper excited. And I'm just, like... They must have like Red Bull or something there, because like. Well, and don't I think they do screen the audience and uh, participants for like a certain energy level, like a certain personality type. Sure. We actually talked about this that very show yesterday. <laughs> random conversation. I, as a kid, I watched it all the time, and it just amazes me that it's. Now this is a statistician of me about this show. I don't trust the prices. I'm no. not sure those no. real prices. No, no, no. And well, let's go. Okay, okay. Let's go a step. <laughs> I because the prices all are all arbitrary. But the other thing is, <laughs> are we actually having this conversation? I, I guess we are, <laughs> guys. It, it is. It is eleven o'clock at but... night. Why are we having this conversation? <laughs> That's that game is also a study in anchoring. In anchor yes. what? in anchoring you've got to have right, to explain it for the listeners so anchoring is so if you say a random number like a thousand just random number and then you go ask somebody um how much do you think this peanut butter is worth um because you said the number a thousand they will anchor on that thousand so they will tend to guess higher than if you had anchored on like 10. Uh, and so in Price is Right, you have all these bids going around. Well, there's a lot of anchoring going around the first person to say a number yep. anchors the rest of the bids. Hmm. Interesting. That's, yeah, that's yeah, that's fascinating. That's like, psycholo well like psychology or something like that. Yep. Huh. It's, a trick in it's a trick in negotiations. That's actually fascinating. I never, but you're right. You're, you're not wrong. Hmm. That's if cool. you ever do, you should always anchor the price. Yeah. And and they also, like, that set is full of numbers, like, with sparkly, like, thousand with, like, gold sparkles around it and stuff. There's, like, anchors all over the place on that show. Yeah. That are just completely arbitrary. Huh. 
little tricks that they figured out. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. So the last topic that we're going to be bringing up, and Lex, Lex kind of brought it up. Uh, so I'll let him uh, take over here. But um, we were kind of. Uh, it was. It wasn't actually in the water cooler, but and and Lex actually brought up a really good point that I actually never really considered. But talking about subjects that are talked about in uh, other chat channels, such as the general, such as the general Discord, which I think. Are, I think it's totally fair game. I think it's it's great when we can discuss about other people's discussions that are happening in other public forums, which is fantastic. And one of the topics that was brought up, and and it was funny. Uh, I think um, I think Mitch mentioned it, or who who was the dev that that kind of joked about it? Uh, Martin, Martin, I think it was Martin that joked about it. The fact that he's like, you know, we'll get to it in the next. Yeah, it was Martin. We'll get it to it in the next uh, few decades. Uh, <laughs> about the end game. But one of the topics that we wanted to kind of specialize in tonight, because we have chatted about the end game before. It is one of my favorite discussions. I love chatting about the end game, so I'll never say no to a good old end game discussion, but um, because it is important for sure. But uh, we wanted to chat about tonight about what is the end game past shipbuilding. But before I do that, uh, <laughs> we were just joking around before the after the break or before the break that uh, we finally have our first in game at our in game in podcast ad here about um, our new podcast we're starting. So if you weren't listening to the beginning of the podcast last week, um, we are deciding to move the Pear Talks Prun podcast over to a new monthly format so every month you'll still get a good episode from us about uh, various prosperous universe topics so keep the keep the water cooler flowing and keep the discussion happening because we'll definitely be bringing it up but we will bring be bringing it up in a lot more higher quality com, uh, conversations i think one of the biggest things is that i would like to see and i haven't really discussed it with the other guys but it really is and i think lex would agree and des would obviously agree as well is that it is a lot more community driven, right? That we discuss what the community is discussing. And so definitely bring it to the forefront. We're not one of those podcasts that's like, you know, bring bring us your thoughts and then we never chat about them. No, we are constantly reading what you guys are talking about and we constantly uh, want to be chatting about. But one of the things that Lex said, uh, we had kind of a conversation before the podcast recording today and... One of the things that really resonated with me, and it was a very insightful comment that he said, and I just want to quote him, was the idea that this podcast and the podcast I'm about to discuss is always the feeling that, you know, it's just a bunch of guys sitting around a living room, have you know, cracking a few cold ones and chatting about our favorite favorite subjects. And that's what I've always wanted. And that's you know, I feel like that we've accomplished that goal. You know, we've gone from myself just chatting to the wind and now we have uh, two co-hosts and we have a slew of guests that always have come on and provided great commentary. But the new podcast that we are going to a weekly format on is uh, what I would consider to be, um, we're kind of defining it right now, but is the Esoteric Gaming Podcast. And it is a podcast about um, the gaming industry and uh, what's going on behind the scenes of the games that we love. Uh, so without further ado, uh, here is a trailer that we have compiled for you that you can listen to further about uh, the new podcast. Hey, 
Howdy folks, and welcome to the Esoteric Gaming Podcast, hosted by three guys that come from different generations and backgrounds. So you're going to get some of the old, some of the borrowed, and some of the news that we know you want to hear. Our passion stems from talking, but more importantly, digressing through the topics beyond the surface level. My name is Per, and I hail from the Great White North, and I specialize in market research and competitive analysis. So I'll be taking our crew through an investigative look through the latest topics and discussions. With me is my two co-hosts. With his doctorate in statistics, he might be our mad scientist, but Lex is no supervillain. Having worked with some of the largest companies in Silicon Valley, and a grandfather of three, Lex brings up some of the latest trends and larger-than-life topics that keep the game philosophers busy. And finally, a software engineer from the Valley with a penchant to uncover what's going on in the world of tech. Dez takes us under the hood of what's going on with the technology that fuels our games. So what are you waiting for? Stop listening to this trailer and dive into the Esoteric Gaming Podcast. Awesome. Well, we hope that you guys really uh, will enjoy this new podcast format and we would invite you. I'm going to be posting the Discord in uh, a few Discord spots, but we invite you to be the start of this new community. Um, we we actually haven't chatted about this publicly yet, but one of the big things that we want to do with this podcast is we have decided, me, Des, and Lex, have decided to commit to a full year of doing this podcast. So you're not getting rid of us anytime soon. We are committing to a full year of uh, making this podcast happen and making it as successful as possible. Um, we actually have built a website for it. Um, it will be called the esotericpodcast.com uh, or esotericgamingpodcast.com, pardon me. And we will be having a YouTube channel. We will be having Twitter, uh, maybe some Twitch here and there. Uh, so who knows what the future holds. But uh, back to the subject at hand. Uh, Lex, without further ado, take us through what is beyond shipbuilding in terms of the end game. That's actually what I'm, I'm actually want to focus maybe slightly different than that, which is if shipbuilding isn't the end game, then what should shipbuilding become, right? So if you look at the game today, most of the complexity in the game is in these higher tier things. We've talked repeatedly about them. And as we've gone through, for example, what we did this week, the thing that's clear is there's nothing mid game about shipbuilding. Nothing about it's designed to be approachable in any easy way. Everything about it is difficult. So the first question I would have is if they decide to add more than just shipbuilding, do you think the approach is to continue with ships with the same complex chain it is today? Or do you think they go about changing it? So that's my first my first question for people. What if ships are when we get more stuff? Ships as they are today, actually look mid-game-ish in comparison. Well, I could certainly buy that, but if we're still going to spend six months to get to the middle game, yeah, the game's been going, how long has it been since the game, this world started? Over a year, right? Yeah, it's well over a year. Well over a year. Not two I years yet. I think it's almost 600 days, because I think uh, when I was around 100 days, I saw people around 200 to 300 yeah i so, think i've seen people in the 460s pretty commonly i think there's several over than that so i think we're approaching two years okay so two years 
So let's say they decide to go into, you know, they want to reset the world. They're going to have an end game. The end game is going to depend on ships, probably just for the scales they want to do, because ship building will no longer be the end game. So now we're looking at nobody will get to it for at least a year and a half. Is that a good idea? Well, so the other thing that they've said consistently is that once this goes out of um, early access into the final version of the game, there will be no more universe resets. So whatever final universe we end up with has to survive, uh, if you will, a constantly growing uh, economy and more and more capability. So... I mean, we're getting to the point now where I, we're actually producing in this universe a fair number of ships. And I feel like that's only going to accelerate. So another, I don't know, six months or so, a year, um, ships will be way more common and easy to come by than they are today. Do you think that even though there's going to be more to do, there's going to be more layers to the game, more complexity? that there's still going to be value in keeping a really complicated supply chain of that do basic ships. Yep. And I think here's what I think here's my best guess about what's going to happen is that as we scale ship production um as a universe as a community then a lot of the ship components will become more and more available on the commodity exchanges. And so you will not have to uh, start from scratch to build ships. You will be able to start from higher and higher tiers. And so shipbuilding will become more accessible to more people because there'll be a final step in the chain or one link in the chain. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, that's what I think is going to happen. And so an end game, the, the next thing after that should build on the capability that having a lot of ships in the universe gives you. So have you ever played any of the older massive multiplayer? Maybe you have, right? But have you played any of them from the beginning and watched through four or five expansions? No, I have not. Uh, so, I've well more than I've played some of them, uh, but haven't been in the game through the, all those expansions. I've seen it kind of from the outside. So one of the things that, always fascinates me about the evolution of a game that has a persistent world but constantly adds more content is the complete dearth of people doing anything in the majority of the content. So yes. if there is something more to do than chips, what incentives are still going to be in place to keep people making that as a primary activity other than the fact that they might just need to do it? Your argument is there's just going to be this growth and shipbuilding. There's going to be more people building the parts. They're going to be doing more things. But if there's five other interesting things to go do, why would they pick this one? Particularly given the complexity of it, unless the things beyond it are even more complicated. It would God help us all. Well, I but, think I think the things beyond it will be more complicated. They would have to be. They would have to be not necessarily more complicated in along the same dimension as shipbuilding, because shipbuilding is about. Uh, uh, complicated, uh, uh, not supply chain, but kind of supply chain. Um, it's, it's a it's a complicated tree of things that you have to produce um, with a lot it, of little fiddly bits. 
if you will. If they add more complexity on top of this complexity, I just propose we rename the game the Masochist Universe. <laughs> but I think if you had a larger universe that had more expansion capability outside of, I'm trying to, act, you know, now that I'm saying this, I'm trying to think of what it would be, but there's a lot of other things that you could go do that ships building ship built uh, ship building would enable that if you had enough players in the game um, and enough co uh, economic capacity in the game that some percentage of that capacity could go into building the ships and building, you know, doing the drinking water and all that, and then free up resources to go do these other things, which maybe are more complicated in other ways. So I, I laugh when you say these things, nothing, I'm not laughing at you, but part of me is thinking, you know, we've, been, we've talked about the podcast and how it'll evolve. And I'm sort of thinking to myself that I should almost go like talk show host and start a fight over this topic because <laughs> it's, I'm like, let's, let's just go head to head here and just start yelling at you because I actually really disagree that this approach is a good one. Um, I, I think that they, they need to start simplifying the game before they make it more complicated. That so, is my truthful opinion. I will say that I don't necessarily think that this is a, a good approach. I think this is the direction it's headed. But though. the way they're going to take? See, yeah. and, and, and so now I'm going to just speak straight to the devs. You want to kill your game, <laughs> do that. Because, and well, and here, here's the real kicker that's going to kill that, um, is... Uh, the decision to are fundamentally li limit the capability, the economic capability of an individual player. That only works if you have a constantly growing player base yep. to fill in the bottom tiers as you have players growing out the top tiers um, and doing more things, uh, which is why in other MMOs, you get the bottom tiers are dead because you know, you, you basically have this constant player base that you're trying to expand the content so that they stay interested in the game. And in a game like this, you can't hollow out the bottom tiers because so, you still need drinking water. So I was, I played EverQuest a long time ago. So, and I was actually temporarily a guy just because I was interested in helping other players. And of course they give us this rule book that basically amounts to, you can't do anything for anybody just don't be a jerk about it. Like it was, it was really disappointing. I didn't do it very long, but the thing that I really noticed about that game was that they had a tendency to make things really difficult just to make it difficult. That really did work until the other games came along and simplified. Like if yeah. you really, if you really want to look at wow's greatness, besides the fact that it was made by blizzard, WoW did nothing great. In fact, to this day, WoW has never come up with what I would call an innovative new idea yet. Somebody's going to disagree, right? But WoW is the excellent, is the just the best game ever at taking what other games have innovated and go, you know what? If we include that in this thing, we'll, we'll really improve things. But if you look at the WoW the day it came out, one of the reasons it was a killer of everybody else, besides a lot of other factors, was it was a fundamentally simple game. It took so much of the crap that had been a big part of all the other massive multiplayers before it. And just like, why do we need that crap? We don't need that crap. And if you actually look at what they evolved over the next couple of years, 
some of the original ideas that were crappy and didn't need to be done, they started removing. Now we can talk about, you know, whether they overdid it or not, but there was a recognition there that players could get plenty of complexity without misery and pain, right? There was tons of things to do that didn't involve that. So I agree that that's probably what they seem to be wanting to do. I really hope they don't because this game needs simple, needs some simplifications before it gets any more complicated. I think it's the problem is, is if they just don't fix it, something I said before, there will be somebody come along that will take the good ideas in this game, will strip out some of the nonsense and make a really powerful, much more successful competitor. It's inevitable if they just try to keep thinking they can do this all by themselves. That's that's a pretty strong opinion on that. But I'm just like, you can't build your game in isolation and pretend like you're the only guy on the block that only works for a while, even in the niche market. I do think that there's an interesting aspect to this game that I wonder how much staying power the middle tiers have or the, the lower tiers of the economy. Um, I think they're not always, much. Here's the thing. I think there's plenty of staying power from an economic, like the game's going to have it, but can you keep players interested besides yourself with your goals it just perpetually making tier one and tier two goods. Like, is that, is that really where people want to be in a year or two years or three years? So here, here's what I'm projecting for my future is I continue to scale up tier one and tier two goods, uh, probably get into a little bit of tier three and four, but the volume on those is so low compared to tier one and two. Um, it won't take much capacity. I'll have what, I don't know. 30 bases or something. And then I'll just hit this limit where each additional base costs so much. I just have to sit on cash accumulating tons and tons of these AFABs over time. And it, and I'll be like, what now? I love that you start with someday I'll have 30 bases as if that's just a normal thing to say in this game. (laughs) well i mean you know if i just projecting out where i'm headed based on where i am right now and what i've been doing if that continues i will hit a limit where i am artificially limited by the exponential cost of new bases yes that's not the first game to play that trick right which but in this game i think that is lethal because there's only linear ability to grow it there's, right there's no scaling to overcome that right they if they want because what that means is at and there's like tiers all along the way where players are happy at there's a certain number of players who are happy playing with two bases there are a certain number that get to like eight or ten and there that's where their sweet spot is and there's certain players that get to 20 plus and that's where their split sweet spot is and then but if you artificially limit to 30, that means that the only you have capped the economic growth of this game to only adding new players. At some point, that's the only way you can grow it is by adding new players. And uh, if the, I mean, I just don't think that this game has demonstrated the ability to consistently add new players and keep them around at the rate that the ec- economy is going to need in order to continue to grow and so the growth from this in this economy has to come from existing players to do more and more and more and more and you need to give them the room to do 
all of the different things. They need to be able to do the consumables and then have all the consumables running on 30 bases. And you're like, okay, now I'm going to go do something else. I don't have to stop my consumables running at 30. I can now get into shipbuilding or get into uh, terraforming or whatever future stuff they have down the road. But I don't have to stop doing the foundation stuff that, that is keeping the economy alive in order to go do that. The problem is they've created this thing, right? You can't have multiple accounts. Totally valid choice in game design, right? right. So there's, so you can't scale up yourself. I can't. They've they've created this like just the 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 FTE emitter, right? Just the large, you know, emitter. It's like if you just wanted to build this one thing, you're looking at seven or eight bases just to do that one thing, just to get all the underlying parts, right? Right. Right. At some point, you just got to decide. You know what? I'm not going to use up my extremely limited number of bases, making tier one and tier two commod- commodities at the level I need. Right. So right. you're going to have to rely on other people, which runs into the problem you're talking about. Yeah, you know, they can't just add. If they add something else on top of that, it's like, oh no, now we're going to add a third thing that requires right. building a whole bunch of bases and going to that. I think they could create the economy. Like, there's just no. The economy is not so robust right now to support another thing on top of shipbuilding. Like, I just, it's just not. Shipbuilding is straining everybody's limits. Just even do that, right? Could you imagine something more complicated on top of that and having the current player base try to attempt that? I think it's insane. You know, that's yeah, just... and I mean, the, I have to go look and hunt for for certain things. And I, I do think inflation is happening, and I think inflation is happening not because of cash in or cash out or whatever that like you can argue that all day. But I, I see prices going up because people are getting out of lower tier stuff because they want to go do other things. So demand is growing, but the supply is not right. Yeah. Well, and that goes back oh, to that. Yeah. Um, that goes back to that idea about like when we were chatting, a, maybe it was last podcast or the podcast episode before that, I think it was the podcast episode before that about like automatic ship computers right that it's like when we get to this point where it's like we can solve shipbuilding where we can solve logistics then it's like we can go into even bigger and meatier stuff to some degree right and maybe you don't have to uh allow me to things by giving me more bases but you have to give me something there's gonna be a part a point where i'm producing hundreds of thousands of drinking water every day and I'm going to be like, I can't do any more. They have artificially stopped me from doing more. Get your limit. Yeah. And I hit my limit. And now in order to continue to grow in this game and continue to do new things all the time, I have to stop doing that and go do something else. But if and- you had automation and other things that allowed me to do that in, in more creative ways, maybe that. Now, I'll be honest, I agree that you're probably right, because so when I when I look at the the last uh, blog about this faction contract, what I see is something of increasing amounts of complexity. I don't know how much you're going to get paid for it. That's a whole other thing. But it's like a 10 step contract to do a whole bunch of things. Provision this, provision that. Then so it's like this one has got a bunch of different provisioning parts. You got to have a number of things and then you got to go, uh, then you got to go to payment, <sighs> payment of 27,000 for what they provision. I, that's insane. And then, uh, then you got to go pick up something and then you get wrapped. So the contract itself, I suppose, isn't that complicated when you look at it, but it just, it feels like that the things they're wanting to add into the game aren't necessarily designed to solve the problem we're talking about. 
in any in any meaningful way. It's like they want to give you more to do. But it's weird. Is is I guess I'd ask this: Is the problem in the game right now that there's not enough to do? Does anybody feel that? I have plenty to do. Yeah, I've got plenty to do, but I think it's I think it's not I think it's not a matter of I think it's a matter of the fact that and we've discussed this before, but it is that idea about like direction, right? That they that players just don't have an idea about what direction to necessarily go past. Because you may, I think, Des, you asked the question, or Alex, you asked the question about the fact, like, is the tier one market sustainable for the long term for a lot of players? And I was like, no, it isn't. And that's why I actually cringe and actually really shudder when, when I hear about players going self sustainable, like self, like they're going self sustainable. I'm like, okay, and you know, we already talked about it earlier in the podcast about that. You know, my way isn't the highway, and I get that. But I mean, in the same stroke, it's like. Okay, if if you're satisfied with doing that and that's kind of your goal, then it's like great, all the power to you. But I mean, I just don't see that being a long term goal. I, I think some of that is a reaction to the complications in the game that a new player that doesn't have the coordinated relationships would solve it. So, if you're new and you and you're not part of a big corporation, you don't have all these problems solved. And you go look at the CX and you see the problems of CX, it's going to be a natural instinct that you're going to want to solve this problem. I remember when I was here for like the, the first three or four weeks, that's the question I asked myself, should I become self-sustaining? Is that a good thing? Because I was looking at the market going, you know, is, am I going to have problems? And I remember when repair kits ran out, I was like, well, maybe I should rethink this. Of course, I just survived because it didn't matter that much. But I think that's a player's reacting to the condition of the game as opposed to an in-game goal. I don't know how many players' in-game goal is to become self-sufficient and move on. I, I have my doubts. Well, and I think a lot of the um, a lot of the stuff to do right now that I've seen, if I could generalize this, maybe this is an overreach, but we'll see, uh, is it's this constant game of adjusting to, okay, uh, the price of aluminum is gone, gone way up. So we need another aluminum base to support our BFAB production. Okay. Well, that's dropped way back down. So maybe we need, it's just like give and take. And so you're constantly adjusting to the, the conditions Uh, as a corporation. I'm specifically thinking here, but at a certain point, you can just do that for a couple of years and you're doing the, you know, you're playing the adjustment game all the time. There's no new content. And, it, and that's a certain amount of fun for a while. Yeah. And I don't currently see when I run out of that kind of fun in this game, but I can kind of project that it's certainly going to happen. Right. Because when I'm making a hundred thousand drinking water a day, who cares what else I'm doing? I mean, I, I don't know if I'll actually get a hundred thousand. That's, but it, you get what I'm saying. I, I do. And you know, games solve this problem in a number of ways. Board games solve it by you go play another board game, right? right. <laughs> or you start over and you, you, you do it again. Right. Or, right. Or they come up with sinks, activities, right. Just all the various ways to keep people in gaming. And in a sense, interesting, I actually do think we need an in-game beyond ships. I just don't think you can do it and then keep ships at an in-game activity. I just don't think that works. Yep. 
Because fundamentally, you can't gut the... You have to take the economy that is here and build on it. You can't gut the economy that's here. And I understand. I mean, it's going to be difficult. To, they can't just suddenly change the whole chain and piss people off. They they might have to solve it some middle way. But it yeah, by the time you go and get that whole shipbuilding thing, I mean, it's, it's designed to be a four or five person activity. And there's some brilliance to that. But at the same time, it's like, take those four or five people building ships. Give them something else to do take them out of the economy and see what happens to your new players who have nobody building ships. Well, I'll go build ships. Well, then they got to go solve the exact same problem. And that's not easy to do. I mean, we're going through that right now. It's like the problem with getting in the ship game, once you actually know what you're supposed to do is just now you got to go build a bunch of bases and create a chain, right? So the, your step number one is just how do you even build this stuff? And then once you figured that out, which is a process we're going through, you know, really getting very close, I think, in nascent mercantile to answering that question. But then the next question is, we got a bunch of relatively new players who are not sitting on large amounts of cash. Some of the bases that are going to work for this aren't exactly sitting on the you know the corner just be waiting to be taken. Well, and another so, another big issue as well that you know. Uh, I mentioned it in one of my very early podcast episodes, and I think it was either, it might have just been around the time that you were either a guest still, Lex, man, it feels like a million, it feels like an eternity ago, but I mentioned that it's like, uh, you know, there's some, there. I had to experience some witnesses, and I get it, like, I, I it's actually, I've, I have felt this as well, the idea that I didn't join a corporation because I didn't want weirdly enough, I didn't want anybody helping me, right? Like I didn't want to get like a extra boost from anybody, but in the same stroke. So the biggest problem you talk about with new players is that you're right. They're not sitting on this massive amounts of cash. I am to some degree. And it's like, okay, like I can help them, but they don't want my help. Right. And it's that like, okay, like I can't, and it's like, I can't force them to take the money. So it's like, okay, like fair enough. You don't want the money. That's I understand. Cause I have felt likewise, but then it's like, then I then I really get scared when it's like, now we've had maybe, and, and it's actually, uh, you mentioned it the other night, Lex, when we were DMing each other, but like the churn rate, I, I won't say churn, because churn implies that we had them. And I would say that you don't really have a player until like maybe month three or four to some degree. And that's when I feel like there's actual churn happening. Um but like you get these new players that are really gung ho, like, and I've seen it. I have like, and if people are like, "Oh, I'm not going to be that player," and I'm like, I see them a dime a dozen. Like I see them all the time. Where there's these gung ho players, they come into the game, they're really excited about playing Prosperous Universe. They're really like stoked, and and that's great. But I'm like, in the back of my head, I'm thinking like, okay, you haven't started playing this game until like month five. So can you keep on playing this game? for till month five and it's like that's that's a big concern for me is the fact that because then it's like you know i'm offering these players cash to do um to go accelerate themselves to get to this point but it's like a lot of them don't and so it's like okay you're right it's like we are working towards this chain but in the same stroke it's like we're also helping a lot of these new players which which I think is a good thing. It Let is. It is. Yeah, I, yeah. It's not I, a bad thing. I just, I just think that newbie corporations, and this is opinion I'm coming to, and unfortunately, just aren't ready 
and positioned to build ships. You really need, frankly, you need at least four people that are heavily committed with quite a bit of things already solved. And I, I've slow started to realize that's just sort of an unbreakable reality. It's just what it is to build ships. Now, there are you, a lot of things you can do that don't involve that, but shipbuilding requires it, and there's there's really no getting around it. So it's one of those things, you know. I have to admit it. Since I I just uh, since I've joined, and because I'm I guess one of those I want to say newbies in a sense. Well, uh, I I never actually realized how much went into a ship until I watched CPO's video showing the diagram of everything that went into a ship. And I did start out as wanting to be self-sufficient, but then I kind of molded that into, I wanted to do tier one consumables and tier one uh, build uh, prefabs. And I feel like that would be sustainable enough for me and I get enough entertainment out of that that I don't feel like if I went any farther, I'd get like too complicated and too in depth and it would more feel like um a chore to be on every single day to uh make sure all the min- uh, like micro managing like I, how, how um des you said you have like 10 bases i could never really uh, see myself having more than five maybe yeah and there's a fair number of of players who have that same kind of uh, niche that they're trying to fill like uh, 10 I think one of the reasons 10 bases is pretty rare is because it takes it's it's hard to manage you got you got to do it right and a lot of a lot of players like yourself lose it's just not fun anymore at that point and I, I think for this game to grow um it needs something for more uh, end game for like people like me to make it to end game to get to that point, I guess. Yeah, so you really have no end game then, right? No, I, I, for me, I'm, I just want to really like ramp up uh, productions of tier one consumables. Like, um, I'm currently thinking about producing a second, like a, a third base, and splitting my Palmuda base instead of producing rats and drinking water i'm thinking about splitting them into uh one base doing purely like palm purely doing rats and another base to purely doing water because um more the past uh, day had a, a water crisis drinking water crisis the the price was up at a hundred dollars a unit and I, I really wanted to take advantage of that but i didn't have enough stock build up right now of drinking water to ship it out and keep my base uh I guess, stock a uh, comfortable level for myself. So let me ask you this. It, <clears throat> if you keep, um, I mean, because the markets are going to vary over time, uh, you know, yeah, yeah there's going to be another crisis in, you know, six months or whatever that you could take advantage of. I mean, is that enough for you? Is that just continuing to play with that kind of play style with like three, four, five bases? Um, I would have to say yes, because. I recently just made my second base, uh, producing prefabs, but uh, like I've almost played a full, I've played over a full year almost on one base, and to me that was enough to convince myself to buy another uh, a full year of membership. 
So did you, did you take a break? I, I got the sense you'd taken a break for a while. Uh, I took a break for a while. Uh, it was about three months, uh, th four months ago. I took a three months, um, three month break from the game because uh, I technically had, um, I was producing my, uh, like, uh, my own water, my own food. I was stocking those up uh, and I was producing carbon to sell and I was producing OBEs and MCG. And I had enough stock that there was nothing active I needed to do on the game for rel relatively three months. And by the time I came back to the game, I had everything still producing. The only downside was I had um, uh, basically my, my buildings were de uh, basically broken at 30% efficiency completely. So that was the only downside to me being AFK or away for th three months. But I, yeah. Well, and I, I, so if you think about, if you have, if you are, have a, uh, corporation that wants to build ships, the amount of drinking water and rations that goes into that ship is a lot. So for every, you can probably build a ship with, you know, two, three, four people with a, a fair number of bases who have this pretty complex supply chain worked out. But you need 50 or 100 of your type of player in order to support that. Yeah, I mean, that, that, I, I've seen that, how that comes out. Like, uh, I recently just uh, contacted a, a corporation to see what a quote is on upgrading a ship. And I'm still waiting back for them because I was just looking for a quote. The person's very busy, blah, blah, blah. But I'm currently sitting, like, I, I do play very slow. And I know I know I don't make the most efficient money, but like I'm currently sitting on about 400k split between ICA and CC, and I feel like I have I'm at a point where with my stock of everything, I'm comfortable enough to continue to produce and potentially look uh, for upgrading into a better ship of some sort. But I'm not too sure if I'm technically viable to do that yet. Like I, I do see that there is a limit to my playstyle, but I want to see how far it goes. And because it's still my first like playthrough, my first uh, I haven't liquidated yet. I'm just kind of having fun with it because if I do end up liquidating still, I just I'm probably going to play the standard by that at that point and just go pure profit in one specific uh market or another uh a few different markets and maybe go for like if I can ship building if I feel like I should, I, like, I, I, at some point I will, I guess, but I, I feel like it could be like another year, maybe two before I meet, I, I reach that point. Yeah. And that, that's a fair number of people who play like that. And I feel like, the, but there's, there's not enough. No, hundred percent. I, I would say yeah. there's not enough. I would say we need more people. Like, um, I would say you guys were, uh, they can make it to the end game quicker. Like Des, you, I think what you're sixty something days. Your base, your your company. I think I'm sixty five. Yeah. And you, how many bases do you have? Ten. I have I nine right now with that. two more in on the way. Yeah. I mean, I was also very downside to like I I didn't want to join any corporation because when I read the descriptions of them, it seemed like they were forcing you. Whenever I read the descriptions to build a specific way it's like hey if you wanted to help maybe they, like they wanted to kind of like come help us uh build uh consumables 
and maybe yes you would get a a loan to build that base but then you would technically be locked into producing consumables specifically for that corporation and i kind of felt like i didn't want to lock myself into that so i kind of yeah. played solo for my, my, most of my time and i say solo but it's like i've made like under the table deals I have taken my own corporation, but it's not really a corporation. It's just like a community of a few people that I message on a regular basis being like, hey, do you want to buy this at maybe 20% cheaper than the SCX price? I mean, that's a corporation. That's that's all the corporation I'm in does. It's just more scale. <laughs> that happens more often. <laughs> you see, it's like I, I haven't really found one that I really liked the, I guess, the community of. Like, I like this one. But it's like I still haven't joined the one in game yet, just because I, 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 I don't know. It's just it's easier to communicate outside on Discord instead of the in game. And with with corporations, this I've seen a lot of drama. Like I believe GTU uh, has a lot of drama with a few other ones. And it's like in the thing it says, "Do not associate with anyone from like these corporations." And it's just like, why? Oh, like, interesting. I, I wouldn't yeah, worry about that. I get it. Uh, not heard of that. Yeah. All right, this, like, I'm assuming it had to do, it's usually something to do with, like, I remember last time I was listening to someone in the, well, to, reading people in the Discord, somewhere I was asking, uh, what do you what do you do when you block people? And it's like, I've blocked a few people who were, um, like, they were competing in the, like, a competing corporation, and they would take his uh, contracts but they would never fulfill the, if the first part was never fulfilled, he he would never complete it, thus just wasting the person's time. It's like piracy, but without the rating hit or something like that. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's like there's drama and stuff with the corporation, so I, I never really got into it because I, I, I hate that stuff. I can understand that. I, that's actually not been my experience in this game. Uh, this is... I guess the one really great thing about being a niche game is the community is actually pretty cool. That's the one thing I love about this uh, Discord. Like, if, if no one's joined this Discord yet, join it. It's really good. Interesting. And to loop back around to what you were saying, Lex, is if the devs added something beyond shipbuilding, you don't think, and I probably would agree with you, you don't think that the current economy could handle it like it would just it it might either we won't be there would be very little activity in that area or in the process of going there we'll lose the ability it's, to produce the basics so if you want to add a really cool late game activity you can't do that with the pre-industrial economy we talked about right the there's a reason why big cities in that world, they're very rare, right? It's it's like we're so used to the modern world at times that we lose sight of the fact that the modern world took a lot of things to get. If you want to have people building ex exciting, you know, ring worlds or whatever, it's like that requires massive scaling in a game that provides no support for scaling and no automation, no force multipliers know nothing. I mean, we have the Chamber of Commerce as a force multiplier. Like, it's extremely limited the ways in which players can actually scale. So shipbuilding is the current in-game activity, and it is, 
I would argue that even though people are doing it successfully, it is legitimately putting the it's the maximum limit of what players have any realistic ability to do. And so you get these weird phenomena of you know players are players are successful at doing it, but the rates aren't that great, and it takes up much of the skill of many of the most experienced players in the game. So if you're gonna bring something else in and and just ask players to do more. I don't know. If, I don't think the economy could support that. Not without some simplification of the process somewhere. Whereas in the modern world, outside of certain places, you got these gigantic companies with massive machinery, and yeah, you got plenty of smallhold farmers. But the reality is, is that that farmer's now got a big metal, you know, silo to hold everything. He's got tractors, equipment. Like he's not out there with a plow and his bare. He's not wearing a wooden plow and an ox very often, at least in most of the world. I'm, there are plenty of places that are exceptions. And the total food supply in the world is mostly a product of the fact that they can do it that way. Well, right. the game can't support that kind of economy. So you add some even more complicated in-game activities and you don't solve this pre-industrial problem, I don't think the economy can work. At least not on any scale that they want it to work. That's just my theory. I mean, they could totally prove me wrong and that would actually be kind of cool. Yeah, I was just going to say, and I, I don't, it doesn't seem like they have interest in actually adding that right now anyway. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know where their ideas come from, so I can't speak to their thinking. I can only go off of the development blogs and, you know, I, I've, I've expressed at times it does sometimes feel like a bit of a disconnect, but to be honest, I think, I think they have a dream of what they want this game to be and, and they're going to work hard to get that dream. And, you know, they, they, they the thing is, I have to always allow for the possibility that I'm not just completely wrong, that I'm like totally, absolutely got it so wrong that I got to go apologize wrong. Like that's totally, <laughs> that's totally possible. So anything I talk about, you know, there's a certain amount of probability. I just, it's just my suspicion that in fact that, you know, the game past shipbuilding can't really work unless shipbuilding itself is made more approachable or something fundamental in the lower tier economies is designed to support it. That's just my hypothesis. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you very much, Lex, for bringing that subject to light. It is an interesting one, to say the least. It really, it really is interesting. And you're right. We don't know, we don't know where the devs go apart from the announcements that they make. Um, I don't know if you guys are privy to it, but there is the, you know, there is the behind the scenes uh, Discord channel and. There's some interesting conversations, but it, it definitely is large in part just kind of more discussions about what's happening currently versus kind of what will be happening um, in the future. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, to say the least. But, yeah, I think we will end the podcast there this week. Um, so thank you very much, Lex, uh, Des, and uh, Terror for coming on the podcast and uh, joining us as we discuss various topics and discussions. Uh, so yeah, next week we will be established in our new home at the Esoteric Gaming Podcast. So you can catch us there every week. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll have more information on that shortly. Apart from that, guys, you guys have yourselves a fantastic evening. Thanks for listening. Oh wait, I guess it's not evening for the... Well, it might be evening for... If you're listening in the evening, have a good evening. If you're listening in the morning, have a good morning. <laughs> All right, catch you around. <laughs>